0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver, tire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by.
1: This is the Opening Drive Podcast
2: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: oh I
1: want to
4: be in that number when the blues go marching in oh when the blues go marching in oh when the blues go marching in oh I want to be in that number when the blues go
2: marching
4: in oh when the blues Go marching in, oh when the blues go marching in, oh I want to be in that number, when the blues go marching in.
5: And welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where in 701, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And here come your St. Louis Blues. With Brooke Grimsley and Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy character Great to have you with us. How are you guys doing? Fired uh, up? Fired up?
3: Yeah, that feels a little sacrilegious to play that. I mean, great for the Blues to come back mm-hmm. in that one. But Randy, come on. What? Come on.
5: I walked in this morning and I said to Dan, you remember that game when they were down 3 nothing in Winnipeg <laughs> in 2019? Wasn't oh game, game, quite game, that game. Five. No, it wasn't quite that game. Swartzy. No. <laughs> I was wearing my blues shoes. I was so fired up.
6: It is a good win, though. It's a very, oh, it's oh, a very it good Calgary win. Calgary last night. Uh, we're going to uh, talk to our... It seems like you're being a little sarcastic oh, on this uh, Wednesday morning.
3: What? No way. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
5: So how's everybody doing everybody Ooh, doing, doing great. great yeah so uh, we're going to talk to our buddy Jamie Rivers about the Blues uh, the Blues made it their way to Van Blanken Coover after the game against Calgary last night and so uh, we'll talk to ribs at 9 30. a lot of Blues discussion this morning we've got Ask Uncle Randy coming up in just a few minutes uh, we're going to talk to our friend Dave Kohlberg from Callaway this is the week of the PGA show down in Orlando are going to talk to uh, him about that and uh at 8 o'clock. How hot is the seat for Ali Marmol? So a lot coming your way here on 101 ESPN. Last night, the Blues fell behind 3-1. And the Blues had only one win when trailing after two periods heading into last night. It was actually a, a 3-1 game when uh, they were playing late in the second. They were shorthanded. And Braden Shen, who had never had, amazingly, a shorthanded goal in the National Hockey League, came through with one.
7: They turn it over, Shen, shorthanded breakaway, he shoots, he scores! Breeden Shen, the 11th shorthanded goal of the season for the Blues. He won the draw, he did it by himself, and he pulled the Blues to within one. It's 3-2, to two. 2.47 to go in the second period.
5: Whole new game here. We go to the third, down by a score of 3-2 to two at the 6.56 mark. The stalwart who always comes through for the Blues did it again.
7: Great work by Kyrou. Held the puck in for the Blues. They get it down low. Can they keep it in? Letty at the point does. Now to the corner, Kyrou. The referee in the way. Walks it off the wall. Shoots. Score! Jordan Kyrou made the play at the line to hold it in. Gets the reward to score. 3-3. 13.04 to go. Third period. Kyrou ties it up.
5: With his 13th of the year,
3: What did you say before that, Randy? Before that goal?
6: The blue stalwart who always comes through did again. You are sarcastic here this morning. (laughs) They won the game, by the Uh, way. I know,
5: and here's why. (laughs) Here's why.
3: (laughs) Just to make sure, yeah. Yeah.
5: Because the other stalwart who always comes through did again.
7: Letty and Shen hold him into the wall with 60 seconds to go in regulation. It's coming loose to the near wing. Here's Pareko. Passes ahead. Sod. To the red. He's got the blue. Shoots it. Score! Brandon Sod gives the Blues the lead. 48 seconds to go in the third period. Sod has two. The Blues up by one. 4 3 the score.
5: Oh, that's a watershed game. That's one that can turn the momentum. The Blues are only three points out of the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. Here come your St. Louis Blues. So you're saying it's going down as the
6: Brandon Sod game? The solder game, yeah. The uh, solder, okay. okay. Solder I, I,
5: game. I, I, yeah. Uh-huh.
3: What about the Pareco game? Cole greco was <gasps> fantastic. 25 17 of total ice time, three and a half of it was shorthanded minutes. He had two points and was plus two in the game. Two shots on goal, four shot attempts, mm-hmm. and the biggest thing for me four hits and four block shots.
6: Only five shots allowed in the third period for the Blues. One of the the key moves I thought that Drew Bannister made, move Matthew Kessel with Krug, Marco Scandella with Falk, and Scandella, by the way, who gets a lot of heat, I think, here in town at times, actually played a very good game last night. I thought he played very well. Yeah, Scandella and Pareko were both terrific. And great job by Jordan Binnington. Again.
5: Again, to keep the Blues in. There were some opportunities there for Calgary to put it away, and he... He stoned them. He was great. And so, so tonight, the Blues go into Van Blank Vancouver, where the Canucks have the best record in the conference. They've got 68 points or four clear of Winnipeg. And by the way, 68 points, the best record in the most points in the National Hockey League. So after
6: winning in Vancouver, the Blues are winning in Calgary. The Blues will have to go to Vancouver. I would say they're lucky they're not going to Edmonton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Oilers are the hottest team right now in the mm-hmm. National Hockey League. They don't lose. 14 straight. 14 straight for the Oilers. They're pretty darn That's good. Crazy
3: yeah i i agree with you guys so much
5: to like though about what happened from the middle of the second period on i thought the blues turned it on and you're thinking during that game okay they just aren't talented enough but then they show the talent that's the bothersome thing for me is that under craig berube it got craig berube fired and you have to trust doug armstrong his eyes are not lying uh, when he says before the season, yeah, I hope to, to battle for a playoff spot. I hope to battle for third place in the division or a wild card spot. Uh, they didn't think their team was going to be elite from a skill standpoint. But I'll tell you what, when they play hard, they look elite.
3: Except for the first and second period last night, the turnovers yeah. were a big issue. Even in that second period, guys, with under eight minutes to go, how does the puck keep getting past Tory Krug's stick like that? Which led to that third goal.
5: I uh, I think it's just Tory Krug's stick. I think that's what it comes down he to. He
3: needs a different stick? Is that what it is? Well, no, I just think
5: he was a better player in Boston. He, and, and I don't know if it was Bruce Cassidy, if it's the system here. He's older. He's four years older now. He's just, he he he's not bad.
6: He's just pedestrian. Nick Letty was pretty good last night, mm-hmm. too. He we was. haven't even mentioned his name. I thought Nick Letty played well. The, the defense as a whole, after... The momentum shifting shorthanded goal changed everything that mm-hmm. was the, that was the game when you got a shorty that just changed yeah. the momentum in the game it really did yeah and the blues win it by a score of four to three meanwhile college
5: basketball last night texas a&m knocks off mizzou 63 57 and this
6: mizzou season is spiraling out of control quickly six consecutive losses now for the tigers up next they'll have south carolina team they lost to an ot aggies only made 29 percent of their shots and mizzou still loses yeah. that is not a good number when you look at 29 percent and you lose that game ouch
3: No. It's just, it is what it is right now with Mizzou basketball. Do you give them a mulligan for this year because the transfer portal didn't work out for them this time?
5: I do because I think that Dennis Gates can coach and he can recruit and he he can recruit, but uh, you don't get long in college basketball
6: and He's going to have to, next year, turn it around quickly. I bet he does with the kids he has coming in. It's one of the top recruiting classes in the country. Now, it does take time to get acclimated to a new head coach, mm-hmm. Division I basketball. Mm-hmm. I get all that, but uh, does he get a mulligan? Absolutely. With what yeah. happened last year coming in his first season, I don't think there's any doubt he gets a mulligan for what's happening this year. Not great, but it's, it's a mulligan. Baseball, three
5: deserving players are announced yesterday as Hall of Famers. The former Rangers and Mariners and Dodgers and the Red Sox third baseman Adrian Beltre, one of the best ever to play the game. Todd Helton, first baseman for the Colorado Rockies, great to see a Rocky hitter get in who played his whole career there. And Joe Maurer, and I was concerned about Joe Maurer, but won a couple of
6: MVPs behind the plate. Very deserving Hall of Famer and I'm glad the writers saw fit to put him in too. I think a catcher winning MVP and a batting title mm-hmm. is something you have to look at that takes him over the top from others. Billy Wagner does not get in. Now explain this one to me. Three writers voted for Billy Wagner in uh, last season's vote or last year's vote, but not in 2024. So they take away those votes. Two writers sent in ballots with only Manny and A-Rod on them. So there's two votes that are gone. Mm-hmm. So he's got the most ever strikeouts by a left-handed reliever, fourth most all time in the uh, Hall of Fame relievers, and he misses by five votes in his ninth try. That would have gotten him in. And he misses because yeah. of voters maybe not taking it seriously. They don't really care. They don't follow the game, whatever the case may be. But the writers hold what is the ultimate for any player that plays in Major League Baseball. And he doesn't get in. And by the way, Matt Holiday got 1%. Mm-hmm. 1%. So he's off the ballot. Yeah.
3: That's what confuses me is what would change from year to year? If you have him on your ballot one year, why would he not be the next?
6: It's a great question. I don't know.
3: <laughs> That's what always just confuses me about the ballots.
6: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The only reason
5: would be that if, for example, you had him last year on your ballot and he was 10th. and what did So you gets two bumped guys. by somebody so coming get on. the newcomers that come in.
6: Randy, but e- either you're a Hall of Famer or you're I not. I agree. Mm-hmm. And for me, Billy Wagner is easy as a Hall it's of Famer. A, it's a slam dunk. Yeah. He should be in. You're either honestly, you should ask the question: Is he a Hall of Famer or not? If he was on your ballot prior to this, then he should get in. Yeah. The 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 other ones that are coming on are going to have ten years to have the chance to get in. So Mm -hmm. Billy Wagner's running out of time, and the final year Tim Raines got in, Edgar Martinez got in, Larry Walker got in. I would anticipate that Billy Wagner. There's going to be a groundswell of support to make sure he gets in. However, he should be in this year. Period. And Gary Sheffield, it was his last year. And and he's done. He didn't get in. He yeah. got sixty three point nine percent
5: of the vote. Andrew Jones got sixty one point six. And and by the way, Beltray got ninety five point one percent. Helton seventy nine point seven. Maurer 76.1. The threshold is 75%, and those three are going to be inducted in Cooperstown.
3: I like all the decisions. I, I do like Adrian Beltre a lot. I just think that he was such a fun player to watch when I was growing up mm-hmm. watching baseball, is that he just always stood out because he looked like you know a kid out there just playing yeah. a game, and it was so fun to watch, too. And Todd Helton, I feel like he deserves a lot more credit for being a two-sport athlete. If you remember his time at Tennessee, quarterback there, mm-hmm. worked out well for him. He's in that conversation of being one of those who could do well with both sports.
6: Over three. 3,000 hits, 477 home runs, gold gloves, and he's not a unanimous Hall of Famer. Who who didn't vote for Adrian Beltre to get in? I it, that's that, it, It's insane to me that these guys don't get a unanimous trip to Cooperstown. I, and mm-hmm. writers do it every single mm-hmm. year, and I don't understand it. Well, there are going some Going back to your point, yeah. that's why they say, well, he's going to be on the ballot for nine years, and I save my yeah. vote for another guy. He's either a Hall of Famer or he's not. And there are some people that are
5: so stringent with their votes that they say nobody is worthy of going in on the first ballot. And that's
6: ridiculous, too. It's preposterous. Yes. And there'll be first-time guys next year, like Ichiro. Ichiro is on the ballot next year. He'll get in. Should be unanimous.
5: Yes. But But he won't be. be? No. We've only had Mariano, right?
6: Yep. uh, Uh, There was two others, I think. I think Jeter may have been unanimous, too. And Griffey. Did Griffey get? I think Griffey was the other one. I think there's three total.
5: So we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314 399 9646 Yo-ho! Ask Uncle Randy on this hump day, January 24th, coming your way on 101 ESPN
1: you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn
2: presented by dobbs tire and auto centers
1: let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers text 314-399-9646 it's ask uncle randy on 101 espn
5: and Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is here, and we have the text line open, 314-3999-646,
4: 314-399-YOHO!
5: Dan, 314 314-399- Yo, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> your questions for Ask Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN.
8: Matthew, what do you got? And how am I supposed to trust you with this kind of advice if I don't know, you know, why, why should I trust you? Do have you, have you have a lot of experience? Is, the, do you have, is there been a lot of things you, you've, you've been, been around? With? You know. Oh yeah. I just yeah. I, where's the confidence? I, how am I supposed to, to trust you with this kind of sage advice unless I've I'm been around?
4: With... You know. Okay, there we see. go. Well, I
8: just I didn't know.
5: I just assumed that with my avuncular appearance yes. and yes. attitude, What's avuncular, uh, like an uncle. Yeah. Avuncle. Seriously? <laughs> yes. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Is it a real word? Is it? it? Uh
3: huh. Yes. No. Yeah, is it is really? Like how
8: dads are like how like a brother would be like you know fraternal. Avuncular is like the fraternal. One. No, version. I haven't. Or, <laughs> I've
3: never yeah. heard anybody say this. Really. Yeah, avuncular. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Relating to
8: an uncle. Yeah. If you kill your if you kill your uncle, it's avuncular side. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, of, um, instead of fratricide or matricide, it's avuncular yeah. side. I have
5: never, never heard that. Real word. So uh, here is the official Merriam-Webster definition of avuncular: suggestive of an uncle, especially in kindness or geniality. Jovial and avuncular, the president's chief of staff seems oblivious to the pressures that accompany what is arguably the second most powerful job in the land. Uh, Did you
6: use the word
8: avuncular there?
5: Yep. Uh, of or relating to an uncle. Two weeks of poker had led to his writing to his uncle, a distressed but confident request for more funds, and the avuncular foot had come down with a joyous bang. (laughs) So there is avuncular.
3: Wow.
8: Avuncular is my
5: favorite. I'll try to use that later
3: on throughout the day. That could be the word of the day. I'm going to be like searching for any way to put that into a sentence in a conversation. It's It's such
8: a good word.
6: So now you know. I love it. Via radio.
8: I love it every time you say it. I love it every time you say it. Never heard it. Oh, well, glad you're here. So, thank you.
6: You educated me, and you educate me every single morning. Well, thank you, Daniel.
8: Daniel, let's get some other education. Randy, yes, dear Uncle Randy, I'm getting ready to make some chili because it's cold. Green and red peppers in or no? Uh,
5: If you like them, absolutely. Now, if you're making chili and you absolutely if you like them, I mean, some people do chili without beans, and it's good, right? Mm -hmm. Matthew, do you do chili without beans? Yeah, I'm I'm all about that beanless chili. uh, It's Texas chili, if you will. Uh Uh-huh right so i have no problem with whatever you want to put in your chili now uh, green and red pepper is fun and uh, it, uh, i'm somebody who probably would not go with the peppers in there but if you like it then go for it it'll warm you up i would say oh, it's, this is mm-hmm. weather for you yeah uh, this actually would be the time to do it, it. Well, what's the weather uh, it is like,
3: a little warm today yeah, it's we
5: we had and uh, foggy yeah did, were you guys did we have a dangerous situation
8: this morning with the fog oh it, it wasn't this thick this morning yeah it's yeah. it's 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 gotten Ooh, it's really it's got, yeah it's gotten yeah. worse since we. Got
3: you see, here. this is why we're not first alert weather. This is second why we're alert. second. It takes us a minute. Yeah. To figure it out. <laughs>
5: exactly. Fifty degrees <laughs> this afternoon, by the way.
8: You want you winter. want proactive weather, go to them. You want reactive weather, come to us. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: it's foggy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. We
6: don't need to be first. We just need to be right. <laughs> Forty <laughs> degrees right now. Yeah. Amazing. That's. It warm. feels like a heat wave coming through. <laughs>
3: it does. When I was
8: a little kid, they taught us how to make a weather rock. And that's and how I told you the weather was. Well, is oh. the rock wet? Well, then it was raining. <laughs> and we're essentially the weather rock of, of weather stations at this yeah. point, guys. Oh, wow. is it foggy outside? Well, it's foggy. Yeah. So what was the question? Oh, the, it was chili. Okay.
6: Yeah, there you it. You're fine. You're good.
8: Slow cooker chili. You know, if you, if
6: you oh, work a yeah. weird job,
8: put chili in the slow cooker <laughs> and just let it go all day. There you go. Dear Uncle Randy, both our best man and maid of honor are dropping the ball when it comes to planning our respective parties and asking about the wedding. What should we do to get the ball rolling? I would
5: have a backup
8: plan in place. Brooke is dealing
5: with this at the moment. I think you're going to be successful. Uh, I I would defer to uh, to Brooke here in regards to uh, what to do in case somebody does indeed drop the ball. It's, and b- oh, by the way, Michelle Smallman has had to be the person that picked the ball up after it was dropped before mm-hmm. and had to plan a party. So it, it does. maybe we need to get Michelle on the air too at some point.
3: So I'm guessing that based off of this, parties. So I'm guessing bachelor and bachelorette parties. Mm -hmm. Luckily, my maid of honor is doing a fantastic job. She's already booked everything, but she's also been a part of a lot of wedding parties. So I think that she's very advanced in this. Mm -hmm. Maybe slowly start sending them suggestions. That's what I've been doing with her is just making it very collaborative where I send her ideas. I'll even send her, I'll see something on TikTok. I'm like, we should try this out. And just making sure that everybody is constantly on the same page And having that timeline established so that you know, she knows, or that person knows, your groomsman knows, that you have to stay on track and get all this done in a certain amount of time.
6: Would you you entrust Uncle Randy to intercede with any of this
3: oh yeah i should have had you plan my bachelorette party randy where where would we go same place what are we doing really so you would out of everywhere sporting
6: event of some sort yeah you would have gone to more
5: sporting events than you're going to
3: i was i was wondering that because we're going to be in scottsdale arizona and i was wondering can i convince my bridesmaid party to go and maybe see a shohei otani spring training game probably not Suns and Celts. yeah durant against tatum
8: it's your day I don't want to put that. Swing, that. That. I think I'm the only no, one interested so in that. Swing that club! Yeah. You got it in your bag. Use it, bro! Yeah. Come on, this is my day. Everybody, here's what we're doing for my bachelor, bachelorette party. I think Come we'll on. still have fun. Yeah, either way. So like, yeah, exactly. Woo. Just- you can bring not the woo girls no
3: (laughs) that's why we're getting away from tennessee (laughs) there's alcohol at
8: the games uh dear uncle randy i'm so nervous about my job my supervisors say they believe in me but my possible replacement who is beloved was recently hired also i'm getting blamed for a suboptimal performance in 2023 poor communication skills and questionable decision making i think i may have been set up to fail in 2024 what is what is one to do okay
5: if you're admitting poor communication skills and poor decision making uh you don't get fired. You fire yourself. <laughs> and if you're admitting here, and this is, it's, this is sports, Dan, right? It's, it's, it's no different. If, coaches don't cut you. You cut yourself. If you're texting in and admitting. You either do or you don't. Right. Either, if you are an employee and you're worried about somebody looking over your shoulder, right? They, they just got hired. By the way, the person just got hired and they're beloved. Pretty interesting. But, uh. I would say that you need to take a look in the mirror and become a better employee if you're
6: dealing with poor communication skills and bad decision making. That's a tough Uncle Randy right there, uh, but on point, Uncle I'm Randy. Not wrong? No, you're on point right there, my man. Yeah,
3: that person's very self-aware at least. Yeah, right. But then it takes the actions yeah. afterwards of maybe working well, on the communication. They're saying they're, skills. they're getting
8: blamed for poor communication. Oh, is that what they're saying? I think I think oh. that was. I think I'm getting blamed for. Uh, List starts uh, poor 2023 performance, lack of communication skills, and questionable decision making. I think they're trying to say that maybe they don't have that self awareness. Because I'm not again, I'm not mm -hmm. saying they're a bad employee, and they should have that self awareness. But I think they're saying they're getting blamed for, and then it's a list of three things. Uh, Maybe the thing,
5: rather than getting fired, maybe having that person promoted over you that is so beloved would be a good thing because if you are doing everything right and it's still not working, then that's a them problem and not a you problem.
3: Mm -hmm. And also assuming. Sometimes you're always going to assume the worst, so maybe that's what you think is going on. I don't know if they've had a conversation as well, but then maybe following up with that conversation with your manager, whoever is in charge, and saying, what can I do to make this place better? What do you need Mm -hmm. from me? And establish that communication more.
8: Uh, Dear Uncle Randy, you always said the best Valentine's Day a wife can give is free. Does that work the other way around? Uh, theoretically,
6: <laughs> theoretically. <laughs> yes. And how does that theory work in practice?
5: Yeah, it does. Okay. Uh, well, the percentage would say that uh, percentage would, percentages would say that the free gift from the female to the male
6: is greater than the male to the female. Just it's just. I agree with that. Yeah. It's the uh, you got to do something uh, for that loved one if you're the yeah. if you're the man in the relationship. I mean, show some kind of. Effort, like flowers, chocolates, night out, whatever. Yeah. It's got to be something. Right. Got to have some kind of effort. Yep. I think that's
3: all it is. It's just the effort. Just showing that you can do that. I know that I feel like a lot of times when we see on the text line, people are expecting these big gifts that she would want that. Maybe she does, but... If anything, I think just showing a kind gesture. You would means appreciate a, lot more. a bigger
6: gift, though, wouldn't mm-hmm.
3: you? I wouldn't say no. <laughs> I wouldn't say yeah. no. Guys, no but said, then I'll also like flowers. Like I'll take it. It doesn't matter.
8: Guys, also, it's all about the gesture. And then mentioned only things that cost money. Just-
3: I mean, what you don't expect a car on Valentine's Day? I just shouldn't get that. No. <laughs> what are you expecting
6: for your Valentine's Day?
3: Nothing really. Maybe a nice dinner David's and flowers. Uh-huh. There you go. That's it. Good. It's it's not even a real holiday, in my opinion. It's just kind of a nice. Right sweetheart. And there's kind of a quid quid pro quo there.
5: You know, you buy the nice gift and then you get the free gift back. What are you gonna get, get? Randy? I don't know. I... I'm well past that day. So no, we VR. are. I'm, I'm doing. We yeah. are well <laughs> past yeah, yeah. that day. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a National Football Foundation luncheon on February 14th. That's oh, nice. Yeah,
3: convenient. Yeah, there you go.
5: So there we go.
3: Are you guys the ones in the aisles on the like the last day or on Valentine's Day, yes. like trying to grab the last little bit of flowers left? Of course, evidently.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> we got anything else, Matthew? We got one for Aunt Brooke here. Recently, a woman moved in next door to me, and we have a, had very minimal conversation, just neighborly chit chat. However, I find her very attractive. What's the place? Here. Should I ask her out how long should I give it or should I just let it uh, should I just let it be so that I don't creep her out? Don't talk to her. Don't talk to her? No! You don't ask women out in places where they can't where they, they, they they're gonna feel like they're forced to say yes so they're not in an uncomfortable situation. You don't ask that women out. True. When, you don't ask okay. women out when they're at work, you don't ask a woman out when you live next to her because you're always going to be there and it's gonna be awkward for her. Just <laughs> let it die, man. It's not gonna happen.
3: Well he did say neighborly chit chat, so maybe the feelings could though. be a little bit mutual. Hey. I say, I say, maybe try, but you know, just keep it a little simple. No pressure, right? No pressure there. Just saying, like, hey, if do you ever want to go grab some coffee, maybe just start something simple like that. Slowly, it could be exactly slowly,
5: right? If it it, could
3: with a
6: neighborly situation.
3: Every time you walk out you guys you know, get gotta... the
6: question was for brooke i know
8: i'm just <laughs> i'm just i'm just i'm just throwing out my opinion because that, that's my thing is like you like if the question leads to you asking out a girl where like she's going to be in an awkward situation to say
1: no <laughs> then don't do it
6: the text line is undefeated by the way it there is. are some interesting uh, texts that are coming in
1: oh yeah that's it is. Line or, is yeah
6: completely undefeated
3: so you heard what matt said and i and rock i never call you matt but whatever, Rock. I, I heard what he said there and I do understand, especially it's just picking up social cues. If she is making it seem like she's interested, then just take it slowly, like Dan said. Yep. If she looks like she's running away from you every time, then don't do it.
6: Maybe ask for advice. Go to them and say, Hey, I, I'm I need some advice. We can we go grab coffee? Okay. And it's just kind yeah. of a you know, a different way to go about it. Yeah.
3: yeah.
5: Yeah,
6: maybe that's it. There we go. Thank you, Matthew.
8: Thank you, Andy. And
5: thank you very much for your texts. The uh, PGA show is underway down in Orlando, and the golf companies have cool stuff coming out, and the technology continues to roll in from Callaway. And we're going to talk to our friend David Kohlberg of Callaway next on 101 ESPN.
4: The smartest way.
5: It's the time of year that all of the new golf equipment is unveiled down at the PGA Tour show in, well, the PGA show down in Orlando, Florida. And it's always amazing to me the technology that comes forth every single year. And David Kohlberg of Callaway is with us now on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN to talk about some of the new things coming out. David, uh, it's always good to have you with us. How are you doing this morning?
9: I'm doing great. It's uh, I am not in in Orlando, unfortunately. I'm here in the same dreary Transylvania city <laughs> that you are.
5: <laughs> well, we we feel for you, and we we feel for us. Okay, so last year, Callaway unveiled the Paradigm uh, Woods and Irons, and this year, the Paradigm AI, AI Smoke Woods and Irons are out. And again, we talk about technology. What makes these different, and why are they different?
9: Well, yeah, uh it is the second generation of the paradigm stuff. Um, ironically, we've been working with a technology called jailbreak for six years. And the computer systems that we use are are just so unbelievable using um, data that the technology we were using for the last six years has actually been replaced. And so it really comes about, this is really the first time that AI technology has been Paired with actual real player data. Generally speaking, the testing has been done with Iron Byron machines and such, and now um, it is being done with real actual real player data. We get that from Top Golf. We get that from our um, our testing sites, our player fittings, our tour player fittings. And the new AI smoke. As much as I say it all the time, like you guys, I'm I'm in awe when I go to the sales meetings of what are we going to do next. And even the stickers, if if the consumers go to the stores and they'll see a sticker right on the golf club that tells you how much better this driver is on every spot of the driver. It's actually got multiple sweet spots for the first time, if you can believe that. The computer system actually says we don't really need to emphasize the weight in the middle of the driver like the last 20 years. It's been really make sure the middle is good and the rest of the driver should sort sort of, you know, kind of sort of trampoline itself out. And now the new driver has ultimately... Almost nearly like ten or eleven different multiple sweet spots. So it's wow. it's a crazy new crazy new technology that the first time I've ever seen anything like it.
3: Well, it seems like AI is a big theme of your display because also on here is the AI one putter lineup. What is that able to do?
9: So yeah, so putting is probably the biggest Achilles heel of every golfer. Um, even the guys on tour, if they if they make a mistake on Sunday and they drop from third place to fourth place, it's like a half a million dollars, right? So. Um, as much as hitting a driver in the rough can be the same as a putt for the consumer, we really just struggle with three putting all the time. And so this is the first time that our R and D guys have really said the problem with putting for the consumer is probably the same as it is for the driver. When we mishit a driver, the consumer understands, wow, I hit the driver off center. So it went crooked. they don't quite understand or put the same technology emphasis on putting. They think that when they leave a putt, consumers leave putts short, or hit them long a lot the biggest difference between tour players are from 25 or 30 feet they are unbelievable at getting the ball the first putt close to the hole and consumers are not and that's really because we miss hit putts and none of the technology over the last including our own have really emphasized trying to make the putter be as consistent with ball speed as they are when we text and when we when we make drivers so the technology is Basically, doing the exact same thing that we do for drivers, which means when the consumer has a 35 footer and they don't hit the ball perfectly in the middle of the putter, we got to make sure that miss hit comes off with the same ball speed that the solid hit does, so that their putt gets as close to the hole as possibly can. Because we just aren't very good at the six footer. You know, we're we're much better at a two footer. Mm-hmm. So the AI technology is the the entire ball, the, the entire putter insert tries to have the same ball speed across the entire insert no matter where you hit it, just like we do with a driver for the first time.
6: David, at that show, how much of the, the rollback will be talked about, the rollback of the golf ball and what uh, you and Callaway are doing with that is that really is just around the corner. It's not that far away.
9: Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously it's probably for discussions. I wish I was in those discussions, but, um, you, you know, I would say it's it's, it's probably going to change. I, if I if I had to bet, I, I, whatever the rule is or whatever the decision is now, it, four to six years from now, yeah, that's a pretty long time with rules sitting out there, <laughs> with people debating them back and forth. I, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen there. We'll, you know, we'll we feel unbelievably in a good spot. We've spent almost a hundred million dollars the last five years on the, on the new ball plant. So whatever the ball specifications are going to have to be, or whatever the final decision is we actually feel probably in the best position to attack the new rule to the best of our ability to help the golfer, you know, perform its best, no matter what the ball restrictions may be at that
5: time. And David, it is amazing how every year the balls get better. And that's another thing that AI can help out with. But why is this year's ball better, for example, than last year's?
9: Yeah, so, we, we took a hard look at really um, – you know, what we were able to do, and again, I would say, you know, since since the middle of the pandemic, our new ball plant in Chickantin, Massachusetts, has been made available to to basically do new technologies in, in the core. So we have obviously rubber cores, and as much as you would think that once you create one, it's pretty much done. Um, we have developed with this new AI and the new ball plant what we believe is the fastest ball speeds ever in a tour golf ball. And the covers are completely different than they were before. There's our, for people who have played our black and silver box, the Chrome Soft LS and the Chrome Soft S and the F, Chrome Soft in the past, these golf balls feel and perform so much softer around the green. And again, as, as a non-engineer, I wish I knew exactly how they do those things. But um, the ball has been changed in name to identify the fact that our two best golf balls are truly the two balls that are on tour. And so you'll hear about the new gold standard, the new Chrome tour ball is in a gold box. And then the new Chrome tour X is in a black box. And those two golf balls are really just dependent on what spin rate you feel like you need around the green. Most of Missouri plays on, in a Zoysia world. So um, you know, most of the shots that consumers are making are helped a little bit. So you're just really, if you're a better player, you're choosing really between the two spin rates. And if you're a, more average consumer, our new Chrome Soft Redbox, which people are very familiar with, it's probably the still ball that they should play if they're more of a general consumer.
5: Hey David, one more item, and Jay Delson gets this question a lot on Friday mornings when he joins us here on the show, and people want to know how important it is to get fitted, and uh, our our partners at Golf Discount, they're annually Callaway's fitters of the year in the state of Missouri, but how important is it if somebody is getting new clubs this year to get fitted, especially with the way technology is?
9: Yeah, I mean, it'd be like, you know, it's like anything else. I would say in golf, you just don't want to buy the wrong thing. And while we obviously have the websites are fabulously compared to what we, you know, when I started with the company, there obviously wasn't websites you could go on and read things. So, you know, you can do all of your pre decision, pre, sorry, pre information gathering. By all means, the websites are great. The training aids are great. You can even look at some videos about how the product is made on the website. But you absolutely want to go and make sure. Again, some golfers think they're not good enough to get fit, and I would just say to that end, it's even more important. I can go play with a lot of things and probably play okay, but for the person who's just average to to you know a, a once or twice a week player, you absolutely want to go have somebody who knows what they're talking about and, and get make sure you're not buying the wrong thing specifically. And then when you get it dialed in, when somebody actually is looking at you and they can. I mean, we make three of everything, essentially, at Callaway. You want to make sure you buy the right, right one of the thing. We have three drivers. We have three sets of irons. It'd be silly not to go get fit and make sure you get the right stuff.
5: David, the technology is unbelievable. Always great to learn about it. We always love having you on the show to teach us about it. Thanks so much for the time, and enjoy your dreary St. Louis day as we will. Thank you. David Kohlberg with us on 101 ESPN. Technology's incredible. It, it, it's amazing. And if you go and check out the new and really incredible the simulators and the technology to fit clubs, they've got it at golf discount, you know Fallon End in, in South County, and that's where I buy all of my stuff. So that's what I know, but the, the technology for fitting is incredible and has made even my game Dan better.
6: Well, I can understand. I played with you this summer. You were mm-hmm. outstanding. Um, the simulators are so much fun. I mean, you can have parties. You can sit there with your buddies and get together and play on those. The technology on the simulator is amazing to me. Now, they haven't figured mm-hmm. out the putting right. part of it, but everything else, you can play any course in the world if you want, and it makes it fun. It makes it fun to play. Yeah, and by the way, Callaway is an owner of
5: Golf too, yep. and so when he talks about getting... Technology and information from Top Golf. That's what, what he's talking about. Brooke, Dan, Randy, coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line for Take It or Leave It. The text line number 314
6: 399
5: 9646.
6: 314 399. Yo ho! Dan. No, sir. Share with the I, class. I, I did one already. All right. Should one we, a day. One? Just one? <laughs> no, I did one earlier. Uh, we've
5: got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN.
2: The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time
5: for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin. Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker Guys, I don't know if you saw this, but the Milwaukee Brewers have signed former Phillies first baseman Reese Hoskins to a two-year deal worth $34 million. But they still haven't replaced Brandon Woodruff. The Brewers have been right there with the Cardinals for the last several years. But take it or leave it, the Cardinals are better than the Brewers right now, even though they added Hoskins.
6: I will take that, even though I really do like Milwaukee's pitching, despite the fact that they have a couple of guys out back into their games are awfully good Mm -hmm. um fan graphs came out yesterday the cardinals would have the by their projections the sixth best record in the national league which would be around 85 86 wins something like that might be a little aggressive because i think going outside the division now where you're not beating up on central teams was more eye-popping for this club than maybe they anticipated Mm -hmm. i really do believe that
3: I'm going to take it as well with this. And I, I was actually, that was going to be my take it or leave it, no, Dan, sorry. was the Cardinals oh, fan graphs. No, you're fine, because I thought it was interesting that they're saying that the sixth best record, and of course this is just fan graph projections, is going to be 85 and 77 for the Cardinals. So would you guys take that?
6: I will take that. I think they're going to be much better than they were a year yeah. ago, uh, as long as they stay healthy. I think my one of my main concerns going into this season would be the, the fact that they are an older pitching staff and trying to get a through a full season would be a concern for me that's why I'm gonna leave it that and I really don't f- have
5: total faith yet in whoever's gonna f- throw the ninth inning for them mm. so I, I look at and it's not too different I look at him as an 81 82 win team but if all of a sudden Ryan Helsley is a lot better if the guys who blew the 20 saves that are still on the team from last year all of a sudden turn that around you could easily get to 85 86 wins
6: isn't it amazing what the balance schedule so-called balance schedule did to the cardinals yeah. last year yeah i mean outside yeah. the division it is tough okay take it or leave it ichiro will join mariano rivera we looked it up mariano rivera the only unanimous selection to baseball's hall of fames will ichiro uh, be baseball hall of fame's second unanimous player to get in and that'll be uh on the ballot next year
3: Dan, I want to take it, but it was with what we were talking about earlier. It just seems like it's nearly impossible that that happens. There's always going to be somebody or a couple of guys who want to not do that. So I, would I might agree, have to yeah. leave it just I because agree. of that.
5: I, I'm, I'm going to take it as well that he does not go in unanimously simply because of the people. And I can't believe Mariano did, but there's so many people out there that. Don't not so many, but enough that don't believe
6: any Hall of Famer should go in on the first ballot. It's like a badge of honor.
3: I, I it is, yeah. it, it's a weird thing, yeah. honestly.
6: It is. I, I, maybe I'm trying to think why Rivera would get it, and he should be, by mm-hmm. the way, yeah. he should be a unanimous Hall of Famer. And why is he the only one? Maybe playing New York, all the postseason experience, being on the big stage, everybody but, saw him. Cheater. You know, cheater, the white, same way. Yeah, you know, good it's point. It's weird.
5: Uh, all right, Matthew, what do you got on the old text line?
8: <laughs> take it or leave it. Even though Jordan Cairo Ky- took most of the game off, you still love that one point per game.
5: Oh, I'll take <laughs> it. Yep.
3: <laughs> oh. He's a
5: point of game guy. Plays a solid 200 foot game, eh?
6: That'd be good. Uh, But yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that goal last
5: I'll night.
3: Take it. Yeah. That's, he what, he has 13 goals now yep, on the season.
6: 13? Can you win a Stanley Cup with Jordan Cairo? You can. He would have to be a second-line guy? I was just yes. about to say... Yeah, he, mm? you, you're not going to win because of him, but you can win with him. I would agree.
8: I was about to make the caveat. Can you win with Jordan Kyro on your first line? No, that's, I don't think you can. Unless your second line is just the best defensive line in the entire league, yeah. and you just put them out there like to, to face off against the other team's top line, I don't think you can do it. Yeah. Even I'm, when you I'm, have I'm, an incredible... Pro- Increase Bergeron-level defender like Robert Thomas on the same line as him. I just I don't think it works. Take it or leave it. The Blues will make the playoffs and keep Bannister next season. Leave it. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to okay. leave both.
3: I am going to leave both as well. I, I just think, does it feel like maybe, and this is nothing against your Bannister, I like what he's been able to do with this team so far, but do you think that they would go out and maybe get somebody with more head coaching experience?
6: I, I, I find it interesting how they've gone mm-hmm. – back and forth so you had a guy like Drew Bannister prior to that you had a hardline coach prior to that it was a guy that was maybe not as much it's gone back and forth mm-hmm. back and forth and gray I hair look hair
5: bald gray hair bald I've not thought ball.
6: of it that way Randy but good point um <laughs> so I'm looking at more of like that hard edge coach to come in once they get through this period of the growth period with some of these mm-hmm. younger players and Snuggerud comes. Some of the other guys that they like, you know, they're they're going to be to the NHL. I think that's one of the things. If you're Doug Armstrong, that you're you're trying to balance is that if I bring in a new coach, these guys they they run through them all the time. Would I rather them run through Drew Bannister with a learning curve of young players as opposed to not wasting but having time spent with a different coach, to where that may wear off? Does that make sense?
5: Yeah, the the team the Blues are going to play tonight, Vancouver, Rick Tockett, right? Rick Tockett and Barubi are the same guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's going to be a shelf life for Rick Tockett, and hopefully for Vancouver's sake, they can win with him. But I'm with you. I think that's probably the direction the Blues go is – and uh, maybe they uh, – maybe Army goes outside the box and hires a college coach this time. I don't know. But I do think that that person will be – somebody who will hold individuals more accountable and not yes. count on the leadership within the room
6: to hold people accountable. Take it or leave it, Joel Quinville would be the perfect fit for the Blues. Obviously, there's a lot of off-ice issues that need to be rectified through the league yeah. and through Gary Bettman, I get that. And it, it's serious stuff, but would he, just as a coach, would he be the right guy? As a coach, yes.
5: Uh, systematically, he's good as it gets, maybe mm-hmm. best ever. But is a 65-year-old Joel Quenville going to be able to push the buttons to get a 24-year-old Jordan Cairo to play hard on a regular basis? I
3: agree. The, the age thing is what yeah. concerns me there. Because with Craig Bruby, that's what it seems like, right, mm-hmm. is that he wasn't able to connect with some of those younger players. Yeah. I
6: think any head coach that they bring in will have a grace period to get the most out of players. It's just whether or not they can stay consistently with them playing mm-hmm. at optimum performance.
8: Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's the... Uh, unofficial in, um, suspension that he got from the entire league. That has apparently Cute. not been has apparently not been, uh, pulled uh Which is away. what he said. Yeah, he's no, got to yeah, rectify he, 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 that, just saying, go that through that, Gary yeah. Bettman. That's the big thing for me. Yeah, He's
5: got to go through Bettman. But I, I think that now they'll probably let him back in. It's At some point, yes. Yeah. I do too. But he has to ask. He has to ask Bettman for the meeting. Nah.
8: <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will steal more bases if Willie McGee was the first base coach. I'm
6: going to leave that What would Willie McGee as a first base coach have to do with them stealing bases? I think they think that Willie is able just to say go, (laughs) uh, give the green light.
5: (laughs) Overwrite the game plan. This is a philosophical thing, and it's not just the Cardinals. It's baseball. People are so afraid to make an out by stealing bases. What allows you to steal bases is being aggressive, and
6: that has to come from the top. Also, you have to have a lead. Yeah. I mean, they were playing from behind so much last year, you're not going to steal bases. I think they were two more than they were the year before. Now, if they if they have leads in games this year, and Tommy Edmond is on base, and Mason Wynn is on base, and they're not stealing, then that's a problem. But if you're not down by four, if you're down by four, you're just not going to steal yeah. bases. You're going to have to sit back and wait and try to get back in the game to do that. You're not going to give away outs. If you're down by three, you get a guy on
5: base, and the opposing team. The, the pitcher-catcher combo is only throwing out
6: 15% of runners. Then go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, this is down literally to the split second yep. of what they can do from release time of a pitcher, how quick he is to the pitcher, the pop-up time of the catcher, his velocity to second base, the speed of your base runner, the lead that he takes. I mean, it is down to the split second. Mm-hmm. So there are times like I thought Mike Schilt was so aggressive and I loved it, and they were winning games, and they had leads, and they could push the envelope a little bit, where this last year, they just couldn't do no. it. No. Take it or leave it. Don Mattingly and Dale Murphy
8: belong in the Hall of Fame. Take it. Take it. Both of them mm-hmm.
5: do. Take it. Absolutely. Don Mattingly was the best hitter in the American League during the 80s, right? And had to re- he would have, if he wouldn't have had to retire because of the bad back, he would have put up even better numbers, But he and he and Keith Fernandez were the two best Defensive first baseman of that decade, Keith was a little bit better. And Dale Murphy, not many guys have won two MVPs and aren't in the Hall of Fame. He converted from catcher to an excellent center fielder and was the centerpiece of that 82 division
6: championship team. They never went to a World Series, but Dale Murphy was far and away the best player on that team. I know this is comparing apples to oranges, but it's like for me, if Lamar Jackson gets to a Super Bowl, he is a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. He gets two MVPs plus a Super Bowl. If he wins a Super Bowl, it's a slam dunk. Mm -hmm. Guys with two MVPs and don't get into the Hall of Fame, I I find that a bit ridiculous. uh, Murphy and Maris, I think, are the only two. I think you're right. Yeah. Randy, how long,
8: how, how long did Don deal with that bad back? Well, about a week back.
3: No. Yeah. No. I, think I was just going
8: to let that go?
5: Yeah. <laughs> no. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. <laughs> Coming up here on 101 ESPN, how hot is the seat that Ali Marmal takes in the dugout this year? He said he needs to be better, and uh, the team hasn't initiated extension talks yet. We'll give you our opinions next on 101
1: ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101
2: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take.
5: It is 8.02 in St. Louis, 8.03 in 3. Two, one, woof. Woof. 8.03, your time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Katie Wu has uh, an interview with Ali Marmol up at The Athletic. And the headline is, pressure is on Ali Marmol as Cardinals approach 2024. Quote, reality is I needed to be better. Unquote, talking about the 2023 season. He is heading into the last year of his contract. The Cardinals have uh, said that they are... At this point, not talking about an extension for Ali Marmol, the beginning part of the season is a gauntlet for the Cardinals. So I think it's fair and reasonable to ask how hot that seat is for Ali Marmol at the beginning of the season.
3: I think that it is very hot, and for the reason that you pointed to just a little bit ago is that they haven't talked or they haven't done any extension talks with him yet, so I think this is a prove-it year for Ali Marmol. A lot more of the pieces are set in place. I'm assuming a lot of the decision with Daniel Descalso, that's a guy that he's familiar mm-hmm. with, played with in the minors, that decision of bringing him in, making some other kind of small promotions internally when it came to the pitching staff. We talk about Kikeffer and promoting him, and I think that this is a prove it year for Olimar Mall, what can you do? And especially with the roster construction, you have Sonny Gray in place. You have Lance Lynn. We've talked about the veteran presence and bringing that in. That's all things that I'm assuming that Olimar Marmol is on board with. So to me, the seat is really hot and this is a prove-it year. And it should be because after a performance like last season, it doesn't matter who the manager is, you're always going to be in a hot seat after that performance.
6: If he's on the hot seat, I look at fundamentals. And if this team is not better fundamentally, then yes, the hot seat is really hot. I, I give him credit to where, and I was with Ali on Friday night. We talked for a long time. He wanted Yadier Molina here. He wanted Albert Pujols here on his coaching staff, and and wanted the the guys that have had tons of experience to be around this club. And if that made them better, he wants him to be better. He wants he wants yachty to be around as much as yachty wants to be around and try to convince him to be there every day but fundamentals if they're not better in that regard that will turn the the heat up on a manager especially as fundamentally poor as they were last year randy you alluded to it the first month man it's tough you got a seven game road trip to start the season with la four there then san diego miami philly arizona the A's, Ooh, Milwaukee. Thank goodness the A's are there. Arizona again, Mets and Detroit. So you're talking about a lot early on to be tested. And again, though, there's gonna be some losses along the way in that first month. I just want to see if they're playing fundamentally better. Because the this this whole roster has been revamped mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, pitching wise is yes. p- in particular. I appreciate the
5: accountability during this offseason that Ali Marmal has exhibited. Uh, He said, last year was a difficult year and you learn a lot about yourself. He said, it tested my character, it really did. It makes you sit back and really think through what went well, what didn't, and what I would do different. The reality is, I needed to be better. Last year wasn't good enough, and our staff needs to be better, but that starts with me. I appreciate him saying that, because I think most Cardinal fans agree with it. And one of the other things that Katie brought up and her piece and Katie is uh, she, she's embedded in that clubhouse she's got a lot of knowledge and she wrote that a common gripe with many players last season was that the staff lacked major league playing experience I wonder how many of the Cardinal players this is nothing against Dean Keekeffer I wonder how many of the, of the Cardinal players actually realized that Dean Keekeffer played in the major leagues with his his 30 games Daniel Descalso yeah played in the majors and was a, a really nice player, but so was Joe McEwing. I mean, Joe McEwing was a, a nice bench player. Daniel Descalso played more than McEwing did. So... I wonder if that's what they're talking about. If the players are talking about just having major league experience, or if they're talking about substantial major league experience, which they would have had had Mark uh, had Matt Holiday taken the, the bench coach job last that's year. That's
3: what I was going to say. Is remember that Matt Holiday was was supposed to be there last season, mm-hmm. and of course, that's no blame on him. We totally understand that family things happen, especially everything his son Jackson is doing. Amazing, It's going to be a huge player this coming year. But at the same time, I think bringing in. Are you saying that you think that they should have brought in more outside help? Because this is very on brand with what they do, right? This whole theme of the Mm -hmm. offseason, bringing back former players, even with your coaching staff. Daniel Descalso, this will be a huge opportunity for him to have this coaching position or be your bench coach. Is this just kind of more about that you you keep seeing these internal options rather than bringing somebody from outside the organization.
5: It appears that they're doing their best to establish the Cardinal way when you have a Lance Lynn on your staff. Key Keffer was around when the fundamentals of this team, pitching wise, they were, they were building game plans for pitchers, were at maybe not their zenith, but they they were pretty good. Uh, so uh, and Descalso and the gang, I I have no problems with the history from a from a teaching standpoint of mm-hmm. these guys. I just wonder if, going back to the players complaining that there wasn't enough
6: cachet, I guess, for lack of a better word on the staff, if they wanted more. Is it fair to judge Ollie on the second half of last season? No. A- anything after uh, July 31st, August 1st, yeah. no. Yeah, I-, I don't either. I mean, they had 28 different pitchers that they used they used 52 total players last year on a 26-man roster. That's that's hard to win. you know. They And they sold off some really good pieces at the trade deadline. Montgomery, Hicks, some of the others that they had. So I don't think it's really fair, even though you look at the total body of work. I understand that. But I don't think it's totally fair to judge him um, on what happened in the second half of the season. I mean, you, you could have had... Tony La Russa in there, and he's not going to win. Right. It, it was the players that he had at that point. So the players have changed. Now you feel like, okay, you, you've got a competitive team. You come in and again I'm going to reiterate this if fundamentally they don't play sound baseball then a lot of that goes on him and the coaching staff
3: well and then with the first half of the season this is something that I wrote down that I remember being a very bad moment in my opinion here on April 9th you remember when the Cardinals were facing the Brewers and it was Brendan Donovan you know what I'm talking about Randy so yeah Brendan Donovan that was there and he had success against left-handed pitching but instead Marmol opted to go with a right-handed bat and his choice was Taylor Monter, Mm -hmm. and it didn't work out in that situation. But that is one example. Those are some mistakes that have happened along the way. I think that we saw Taylor Modder a little bit more than we would have liked to but then there was also a lot of injuries that impacted. I think that's something that you also can't hold against Oli Ramal is the fact that there were so many injuries and roster construction wise I think that he was really restrained with what he could do.
5: And it appeared to me that one of the things the Cardinals wanted to do was emulate the Dodgers with the way they use platooning when the Cardinals probably would have been better served emulating the Braves and playing their guys every day
6: gut is Mm -hmm. part of managing Uh, however now more than ever the gut is taken away because of analytics I I found this really interesting I went back and looked at it and there are times and I'm I'm guilty of this where I say man I would just love if they kept this starter in or a bullpen guy it only took ten pitches to get through the inning you know the Cardinals stuck with their relievers or their starters the third most in baseball Mm-hmm. that that is shocking to me i was blown away by that and so they did mm-hmm. try the gut and at times it didn't work um to your point brooke a lot of times with and i'm not saying this was right or wrong i mean if i had the choice between brendan donovan and taylor Moder, i don't care what the numbers are i'm probably going with brendan donovan but i'm just throw this out i don't know if this was the case it could have been a sinker baller on on the mound taylor modder has good numbers against, you know, sinker ballers and this guy throws in this yeah. portion of the zone and Brendan Donovan doesn't hit it well. I mean, those things happen all the time. But, I, you know, I, I just think sometimes when you look at this team and the way things were last year, nothing was going right. And when it went wrong, it just snowballed and everything stuck out like those kind of situations.
3: No, you had that conversation, as you mentioned, with Ollie, and I think that sometimes the big perception is that, you know, he doesn't make a lot of those decisions. Did you ever get a chance to chat with him about that recently, and if that's something, that perception, or if he will have more ability going into this season to call, Ultimately, use his gut? Yeah.
6: Ultimately, it's on him. I mean, he's the manager, so yeah. I mean, it, it goes to him, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, win, lose, or draw, he's going to be the guy that people toward, uh, look towards in, in decision-making in the games. The Cardinals are let's just throw a number out
5: there 10 and 17 in their first 27 which is a really tough schedule so he should get some leniency i would think when as you mentioned dan they're taking on dodgers padres marlins phillies d-backs brewers mets uh if they're 10 and 17 at the end of april is does that it's really hot poorly yeah Yeah. 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 (laughs) yeah it I, I was really so. hot I would think so yeah with all they've done with the the investment that they've made in the pitching and the their apparent belief that they can get back to the playoffs with this team if you
6: I, I would agree with you 10 and 17 is probably hot and probably need to be 500. Uh, mo has been extremely patient in history with players and with manager with uh, managers with coaches all that stuff I mean he's very He kind of takes that that 1,000-foot view of his club instead of making just a knee-jerk reaction. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, but typically that's what he does. I always go back to the 2004 season, 100-plus wins, and the first month of the season they were 500. Right. Mm -hmm. They were 500. I think they were 16-16 and or something like that, and uh, all of a sudden they, they got caught on fire and just rolled it the rest of the way. And uh, the, the issue I think that the Cardinals would ha- I would hope the Cardinals would have this year, is
5: if you get off to that start, it's on the heels of winning only 71 games. Yeah, And I know we yeah. throw out that the, sure. the last two months yeah. you can't count, but if, if you win Reece 71... Bias. Yeah.
6: yeah,
3: I'm but, with you. Yeah, we also saw how quickly... Remember last year, April, things got out of hand quickly, yeah. and it felt like they really just struggled to recover after that. So I wonder if you see that from last season. You know that you can't do that again this season. So... Ultimately,
5: I think we all agree that when the Cardinals open the season on March 28th at LA, the seat will be a little bit warm. He needs to he needs to do some. Uh, Ollie
6: has to have his players do good things for him early on. And by all accounts, he said that. Yeah. And and one of the things I'll go to is that you got to point to the players. Yes. The ploy- yeah. the players need to take responsibility with this too. Paul Goldschmidt needs to be Goldie. Arenado mm-hmm. needs to get off to a good start. You give Mason Wynn you know uh, uh, some leeway because he's only had 130 some odd bats in the season. Tommy Edmond has got to be there. Mm-hmm. Wilson Contreras has got to be better behind the plate. Jordan Walker, you hope he makes that next step. Brendan Donovan wants to be a leader he needs to the leadership is done by playing too so your players have to take responsibility with this as well. It's always the manager mm-hmm. that is the fall guy but he can do so much where players need to put up numbers as well.
3: It's up to them for the execution part. He can't go yeah. out there and do that. He can't do every single thing for him. I think that I understand, too, with the kind of the pessimism going into the season from some of the fan base. Because it's like when you were just listening to things there, you need Tommy Edmund to do this. You need Nolan to do this last season, it's like we saw every single worst case scenario play out. So now you have all those concerns where maybe you weren't thinking about it as much as as before if Nolan will be able to get off to a great start or not. but then you saw all that happen last year.
6: Yeah. since the playoffs expanded to three wild card teams, the National League 6 wild card qualifiers have averaged 89 wins. Cardinals are projected at 86, so right on the, the cusp of maybe being a playoff team. And they're they're pretty adamant f- from top to bottom about saying not
5: making the playoffs isn't good enough. You right, right. That's the expectations here. For it sure. Is. That's Dan, that's Brooke, I'm Randy, and that's the Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues have a best player on their team that you probably didn't think was going to be that guy. That's next on 101 ESPN
1: we are back to the Opening Drive
2: podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
7: He was so good in the in the 2019 playoff run, paired with Jay Beamer. And quite honestly, I think he's playing at a level above that. Um, that's how good he is. To, to me, right now in the NHL, there aren't many right-handed shooting defenseman I don't want to call him a a shutdown defenseman because the guy has eight goals and you know he kills penalties you know he was on the power play a little bit for a few weeks so he's not just a shutdown defenseman but I I would if I had to characterize him as as a three zone or overall defenseman whatever you want to say there aren't many better in the league right now.
5: That's the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, with us yesterday here on 101 ESPN, talking about Colton Pareko, who this year is healthy. He's averaged 23 minutes and 43 seconds of ice time a game, going against the other team's top line, and 23-43 is tops on the Blues. Uh, He has eight goals and nine assists for 17 points now. And when we talk about being a shutdown defenseman, the number two shot blocker on the Blues is Justin Falk with seventy-seven block shots this year. Pareko has one hundred and fourteen. Wow, one hundred and fourteen, and the number two guy has seventy-seven. He has turned into this year. And the guy, A, that the Blues thought that they were going to get when they let Alex Petrangelo go, but he's also turned into the Blues' most indispensable player.
3: I think the key is what you said there, is that he's healthy going mm-hmm. into the season. I think that we've seen in recent years Colton Pareco battling with various injuries, and now we're getting the fully healthy version of Pareco. I felt like towards the end, the second half of last season, you were starting to see this, and you were hoping that he would be able to carry that over into the season, and he has. He He looks really, really good. Last night, specifically, when you're talking about the hits and block shots. Four hits, four block shots for him last night. He is absolutely everywhere. And he
5: used the F-word on a guy. Did you see that? Oh, He got mad at a guy. Yeah, I, I liked saw that. I lied to that. Because yeah.
3: he, he was sticking up for Jordan Binnington in that situation. Yep, he was,
6: yeah. I wonder how many teams are going to be calling the Blues about Colton Pareco. He does have a no-trade clause, mm-hmm. so he can invoke that and stay in St. Louis. But I also wonder how banged up he's been the last couple of years because he looks like a different player. He can always skate. He's a great skater. He's got great tools in terms of what you just uh, documented there, Randy, and some of the things that he does. But, man, oh, man, does he look like a different player this year. And here's the thing. He's 30,
5: and this is the second year of an eight-year contract. This is the second effective year of it. If you're Doug Armstrong and you plan on having a window to win a Stanley Cup over the next seven years, are you going to find a guy – that gets into his prime in those seven years that's as good as Pareco is. If you trade him nope. for a number no. 1 pick, are you going to find a guy that can do what he does?
3: No, and that's why when teams are calling around asking for Colton Pareco, you hang up. that's I think so. That's what you yeah. have to do. Because I just don't think, in my opinion, that there is anything that you should part with him with. Of course, the back end of that contract is not going to be pretty. It never is. But what you're getting right here in that front end, I think that that's really important to your window of success.
5: And one of the things that we saw with both Al McInnes and Chris Pronger, is that they were both such smooth skaters. They were playing effectively at the age of 38 until they got hurt. Al with the eye and Prongs Mm -hmm. with uh, with the concussions. He's a guy that I think could play effectively till the end of the contract if, and this is a big key, if he's healthy and if the back is okay, if he doesn't wind up with, uh, I, I don't know, Matthew, how long do you think that uh, we'll have to wait before we don't see it? Don't do it. it. Ah, about a week back.
3: So. No. But no. Do you guys
5: agree with me that because of his stride and because it's kind of like, uh, walking, just smooth, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like walking a golden retriever versus wa- versus walking a Shih Tzu. There, you know, there's a, <laughs> shi- Shih Tzus have to take ten thousand steps. Tori Krug is the Shih Tzu. And,
3: I, I knew that's where you were going well, with that, Randy. Yeah, I knew that's well, where you were going. Don't call fella. him a Shih Tzu. Uh,
5: uh, I can't. The other part, I just can't say. Uh, so, and then Pareko is kind of like the golden. He's got the longer stride, so he's he's not going to be as worn out after a game as a, a guy with. Little shorter legs is going okay. to. You
6: start so well in the segment. I I, I got to tell you, you start, you know, with a, a solid look at Colton Pareko, and then it turns into this.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to make the point that he's got that long stride,
6: which I know, you're sure
1: trying ran. to do.
6: The well being of a defenseman. I was looking at the Blues the other day. They are 28th in goals for. 18th in goals against, 28th in the power play, 22nd in the penalty oh, kill. they progress in the power play, though. Man, I, and I was saying to myself, I was like, this is why they are where they're at. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's better than what you thought when you look at some of the the stats that I just mentioned because they're in the middle of the pack and have a chance to, to get to the playoffs. You don't get there, though, without – I was thinking this – you don't get there if you trade Colton Pareko. I, I truly believe that. He's that much of a, a piece to this puzzle of – 2024 that gets you to the playoffs potentially it's going to be a tough road to get there but if you do Colton Pareko is a big piece of it
3: he is and I believe Jordan Bennington as well that was the whole reason that I that they were even able to stay in the game if you heard the post game last night who is Colton Pareko talking about the reason why they were able to stay in that game and win he's talking about Jordan Bennington
6: they say it a lot now this year it's when he was like how he played on Saturday and get the shutout and how he played last Mm -hmm. night and he's really brook in my in my mind if if they're going to go to the playoffs he has to steal you wins because they're just not when you match up against other teams they're they're just not there mm-hmm. yeah. But one guy can steal you the game and that's the goalie and when he's been doing that they have a chance to win these games and get in the playoffs so let's just keep colton
5: preco healthy and keep him going no doubt let him be one of the leaders for the future of this team and JR, if you hadn't read his piece at The Athletic about the two centerpiece guys, Thomas and
6: Pareco, J.R. is right on with those. 100%. Yes. By the way, is he the longest, speaking of Pareco, is he the longest tenured St. Louis sports he athlete? Is. He is. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, St. Louis sports
5: athlete. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about he, St. Louis sports athlete. He would be, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah.
6: How about that? Yeah, that's a
5: good stat. Wow,
3: things have changed so quickly. They really have. The, years. Yep. the COVID years really accelerated that.
5: Yeah. And the Blues are uh, up to 18 power play goals, so they aren't going to wind up with more shorthanded goals. They scored their 11th last night than power play goals, and that's a positive, I guess.
3: Oh Well, the the positive on special teams is going to be your penalty kill. I mean, they went Mm -hmm. 3-for-3 on the PK last night. I felt like that was a big part of why they were able to rally back in the third period.
6: St. Louis sports athlete, longest tenured, Colton Pareko. Trying to think, because I I was going through this in my mind, and I was like, well, Goldschmidt's been here. No, Pareko, he's the guy. Yeah. Crazy. Good
3: for him. It is. Crazy.
6: Wow. Amazing. Coming up next year on 101
5: ESPN, we've got the fight. Matthew, do we need a fighter?
8: Yeah, you won again.
5: Okay. Uh-huh. So if you'd like to fight, all you need to do is text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314 399 964 399
3: Yo! Dan moved away the, the mic! Your
5: name <laughs> and the word fight, and we will hear perhaps from you next on 101
1: ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101
2: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Welcome back to the Opening Drive. Brooke Rimsley here alongside Danny Mack, Randy Carriker and Matthew Rocchio. And it is now time for the fight. Our fighter today is Tyler. Tyler, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. How are you guys this morning?
3: Good. It sounds like you're driving. Are you driving in this fog right now? Are you doing okay through it?
0: I'm doing all right through it. Uh, As my youngest would say, it's very froggy out this
6: morning.
3: (laughs) It is. It is very, very froggy out this morning. Are you ready to take on Rainy in the Fight, Tyler?
0: I am. Hopefully I can... uh, do some damage as it sounds like Matthew's a little fed up with the uh streak Randy's been
3: on oh yeah this is a this has been quite a dominant streak for Randy I know that he got broken last week but he is very determined to get back on track wouldn't you say Dan
6: oh yeah let's let's do it let's get Tyler that win that W and put Randy in a bad mood for the next hour and a half Because that's what happens. If he wins, or I'm sorry, if he loses, the mood shifts here in the studio. So I'm pulling for you, Tyler. Let's put him in a bad mood. (laughs)
3: Let's do it. All right. Question number one, Tyler. Who is the Blues' all-time points-per-game leader with 1.5 points-per-game? Is it Brett Hull, Adam Oates, or Craig Janney? Uh,
0: Tough one. Um, I'm going to go... I think holes the obvious one, um, but I'm going to go with Adam Oates.
6: Okay. Question two. Joe Maurer is the only American league catcher to win a batting title and the first in Major League Baseball since the 1940s. How many did he win? I think he won two. Yeah. Yeah. One, two, or three.
0: I'm gonna go with you.
6: Okay.
3: Back in 2012, this Rams wide receiver set a rookie record with five consecutive games with 50 with a 50 yard 50 plus yard catch. Who is it? Is it Chris Givens, Donnie Avery, or Sevden Bailey? What year was that? 2012.
0: 2012. Oh. I think I'm going to go Chris Givens. I know he had some explosive, an explosive stretch somewhere in there.
6: Is that your final answer, Tyler? Yeah, that'll be my final answer. Okay, question four. The Oilers won their 14th straight game last night. They're now officially in the hunt for the NHL record of 17 straight. Which franchise holds that record, setting it back in the 1992-93 season? Was it the Pittsburgh Penguins? The New York Rangers or the Montreal Canadiens.
0: Of course, you give me all the big, big teams. Um, <laughs> you, you said in '92,
6: the '92-'93 season.
0: Okay, so yeah, I remember that. I was, I was two or three there, so that makes sense. <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'll go uh, I'll go with the Canadians. I feel like they have a
6: ton of records. So, One of the original six. You can't go wrong with an original six, but we'll see if it works out today. <laughs> All right, we're getting in, Randy, from the code of silence, if you will. Randy, <laughs> during this little break, enjoys some grapes and good times with fellow co-workers. He and does. Oh, yeah, always a smile a on Dr. his Pepper. face. And a Dr. Pepper. Hi, Maybe he checks his phone for any messages that may come his way, but he's locked into the show at all times. Yes, sir. I'm locked in. Always ready to go. I'm doing great. Say uh, good morning to Tyler, please. Tyler, good morning. How are you?
5: I'm good. How are you this morning, Randy? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it.
3: You ready for the first question, Randy?
5: I guess I am.
3: Okay. Who is the Blues' all-time points-per-game leader with 1.5 points per game?
5: Uh, That would be one... Adam Oates. Oates. He was uh, he was pretty darn prolific. Ooh, he was a good player. Shouldn't
6: have traded him as it turns out. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Joe Mauer is the only AL catcher to win a batting title, and the first in Major League Baseball since the '40s. How hmm. many did he win? Did Joe Mauer win? Correct. He won a couple. He won two, baby.
3: Back in 2012, this Rams wide receiver set a rookie record with five consecutive games with a 50-plus yard catch. Uh,
5: so uh, it was pretty funny uh, because we had him on the show weekly. He wore number 13, which I thought was ridiculous. And he was a fifth-round draft choice that was driving around a white, I believe, Lamborghini, if I'm not mistaken. Fifth-round draft choice uh, that was driving around a white Lamborghini. I didn't think that was the most... Logical use of funds for a young football player. Uh, his name is Chris Givens. Chris Givens is the uh, is the player that uh, had five straight games with a fifty yard, I believe, fifty yard catch, and member of the fast lane too. Nice guy. Don't know whatever happened to him. Don't know ever whatever happened to Lamborghini.
6: The Oilers won their 14th straight game last night, mm-hmm. and now are officially in the hunt for the NHL record of 17 straight. Which franchise holds that record? Setting it back in 1992-93.
5: Hmm. 92-93. Didn't Joe Vitale say that uh, his Penguins, w- with the, uh, with the story, uh, the story that he told about Sidney Crosby, didn't he say they won 17 in a row? Thought he did. Um, we
3: can't answer that question.
5: Oh, I think he did, but I don't <laughs> think Joey was playing at that time. That's why I'm asking the question. Uh, so I will, uh, I will still go Pittsburgh Penguins because the Penguins were good at that time with Mario Lemieux. So I will go with, uh,
6: Dan, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Pittsburgh Penguins of the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Okay. They were good. Thank you, Randy. You're welcome, sir. Matthew.
8: All right. Tyler tries to come in here and take down Randy Carricker for just the second time in the year 2024. Does he do it? Or does Mega Mind roll on with another victory?
1: Ring that bell! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker.
8: Well, Tyler, I'm sorry to say, Randy Carricker got you by one question today. You got close, but not close enough. It was it was a valiant
0: effort. There you uh, go. But after it. that, again, the hockey question was a little before before I was watching the games.
8: That'll happen, that'll happen. Let's go through those questions and go through those answers. Who is the Blues all-time points-per-game leader with 1.5 points per game? It is, in fact, Adam Oates. Those assists count the same as goals. Oates, by the way, 1.47 points per game. Holly, 1.26. Craig Janney, 1.25. Yeah. Right there with Brett Hall of points-per-game in their Blues career. Joe Mauer, the only AL catcher to win a batting title in the first in the MLBs since the 1940s. You both said two, and this is where this question's interesting. If you go, just, I'm if, confused if on call, this question. If you call batting titles just being the MLB leader, Joe Maurer has two. But if batting titles are leading your league, Joe Maurer has three. You both answered two. I, I was looking for three because he led the AL three times. He led the AL. Major League Baseball two times the the differentiation there is two thousand eight he did not lead Major League Baseball he did lead the AL so Baseball Reference lists him as three batting titles but you both answered two so it's either a four three win for Randy or or a three two win for Randy like whichever four. way you want to look at so we'll call it a four three <laughs> <like> win for <laughs> Randy so good job Tyler you got three today you, and Randy beat you four to three so let's keep going rolling through back in twenty twelve it was in fact Chris Givens five straight games with a fifty plus yard catch and he he turned out to be a really great receiver long term right
5: oh he was one he went to Baltimore with his Lamborghini I'm sure and caught a lot of balls good investment for him <laughs> oh,
8: and the Oilers no. just won their 14th straight game last night 4-1 and now they are officially in the hunt for the NHL record of 17 it was in fact the Pittsburgh Penguins back in the day 92-93 when they would go on to I think they, they, they won the cup the year before that then they pulled off the 17th straight the very next year the uh, Rangers or well, the Canadians went on to actually win the cup in the 93 playoffs so a 4-3 win we're calling it for Randy Character in the fight today Tyler thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight
6: Awesome. It was fun. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Tyler. Great to have you with us. Some of the names on the 92-93 team for the Penguins. Jager, (laughs) Mario Lemieux, Kevin Stevens, Rick Tockett, Ron Francis, Yager, Larry Murphy, Joe Mullen, Ulf Samuelson, and their goalie was Tom Barrasso, who was incredible that year. The the backup was Ken Reggett. Remember Kenny Reggett? He was a good goalie, too. And Barrasso's career ended with the
5: Blues. That's right. And... The Blues could have had Ulfie Samuelson and Ronnie Francis. That's correct. But uh, Ron Caron decided that uh, he didn't want to go there.
6: The meat is on the burner.
5: (laughs) Not great. No. It would have made a a, a difference. Better than getting uh, just... And Butchie was great, but it would have been nice to get that other center. Sure. Would have been great. Uh, So there's the fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up, why is the NFL so compelling, and why do so many people love it? We'll answer that question for you next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
5: Averaged 40 million viewers, the highest on record dating back to 1988. The 40 million average viewers for the four games uh, was up 7% over last year and up 5% versus a prior record in 21-22. In total, 126.7 million viewers tuned in for the divisional round. The Saturday primetime game on Fox between the Packers and Niners averaged 37.5 million viewers, the most-watched Saturday NFL playoff game ever. The Sunday primetime game between the Chiefs and Bills averaged fifty point four million viewers, the most watched divisional or wild card game on record. The NFL, we know, is a business of scoundrels. It's a cartel. <laughs> uh, we we know what they are. But even the most hateful person of the NFL has to admit that for some, uh, some reason, the games are compelling enough to set these sorts of records. Why? Why, why is the NFL more powerful now than it's ever been?
3: fantasy football, I think, has a lot to do with it. I love playing fantasy football, and it's made me pay attention to teams that I have really never cared about before. We were talking about that yesterday, remember, where it was like, what team do you not really care about? Forgot to mention the Panthers, and rightfully so, mm-hmm. because they were not that good this season. But I think that that's a big part of it. Gambling, being more legalized than other states, that gets people more involved. Bingo. But also, the personalities. Not b- not bingo, but I
5: mean... Yes, I get
3: me. what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. The personalities, and just letting them fly. And the biggest thing, in my opinion, is they are PR masters they are so good and they really embrace the fact that even bad press is good press because then people are constantly talking about you even during that time the way that they're able to kind of bury things too when the St. Louis Rams were leaving town here the timing of that when they were announcing the leave kind of helped bury everything that was going on here in St. Louis I mean explain what it was yeah it was
5: January 12th yeah
3: and that's what I'm saying. They are PR masters. They really know how to ma- manipulate things. And then they just know how to put a good product out there. And they make their big games their big games. So PR marketing, I think, mm-hmm. is a huge part of it, along with gambling and fantasy. I
6: think gambling is, number one, becoming more prevalent throughout our country and pretty much every state you can gamble in. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantasy football. So in 2008, it was the first app in which you could use to get on and, and play fantasy football. So 2008, now those kids are 15 years older. You're getting into that prime mm-hmm. time of your life where you'll sit down and watch television. And I think you, you garnered so many new fans of of the game by using fantasy football to get them in, to get them involved, to get them in, uh, interested. So that was in 2008. To Brooks' point, I think they're just very smart in how they do various things in terms of the flex schedule, adding a Thursday night game. So you, you're you center stage mm-hmm. Sunday, Monday night, Thursday night. I think that's important. And then red zone. I think the, oh, the addition yeah. of red zone where you can just sit down, you're, not, you're commercial free, and you're watching all these games. If you're gambling or you're on fantasy football, all of that mm-hmm. combined together I think has made them so popular and why these numbers are on the rise. And I think a big part of this, Dan, is one of the things you brought
5: up Primetime. When the Rams were in the Super Bowl both times, the games were not in prime time. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. They, they were, yeah. They, it was a noon game and a three o'clock game, just yeah. like they did during the regular season. Then in the middle of the last decade, they started running games in prime time. So this weekend, your two prime time games are 49ers over the Packers 24-21 in a really good game with big stars. You Obviously, you, you had the Packers, who are one of the more uh, followed teams, one of the iconic franchises with huge fan base. And then you have the Chiefs and the Bills, two franchises with huge fan bases on Sunday night and that's a 2724 game so you have competitive games when more people are inclined to watch television and that's going to set records for you it's just going to to be that way the script is perfect
3: oh the script And it just it continues to work out in that way. Right. And you tune in every single week. It is literally the best reality TV, the theatrics that surround every single game. There's a million different storylines that you just get hooked to. And I thought this was interesting from the 314 because we're talking about this transition of cutting the cord and streaming from the 314. They said if the Chiefs game got 50 million last week, week before got 20 million on Peacock, would they have gotten more on a better network? So specifically, I'm assuming they're talking about Peacock there.
5: I, they would have got more viewers, but they probably wouldn't have gotten more than $110 million for that singular game. Because that's what happens in those early games. ESPN used to pay $100 million, Now Peacock is paying $110 million. And at the end of the day, the
6: NFL isn't really as concerned about viewers as it is about cash. Yeah. Right? It, was it really worth it, though, Randy? I mean, as much money is coming in... You're splitting it amongst the teams, $110 million. I mean, $110 million, I know that's an enormous amount of money, but in the scheme of things with them, is it really worth no. it to to upset your, your customer? Here's why it
5: is. It was the most streamed event in history, the most viewers for any streamed event ever. And so what the NFL is going to do is they're going to go to all the streaming entities. Netflix, they just spent $5 billion on uh, on uh, wrestling right? Uh, the, the, <laughs> yes. Uh, you've got... Uh Netflix you've got Amazon who's already in the game you've got NBC with Peacock you've got CBS with Paramount so the NFL is going to go to all of these entities and say if you want to build up your platform all you have to do is pay us 150 million dollars that'll be next year all you have to do is pay us 200 million dollars the year after that all you have to do is pay us 250 million and all of these entities will be able to enhance the number of viewers to their product because they have the NFL
6: i think another part of this too is a cap league and parity so the green bay packers Mm -hmm. can go up against la and still have a chance to win these games and that's not in baseball you know you've got the dodgers spending over a billion dollars in an you know an industry that has a lot of money coming into it but there's not parity and that's a problem and, and look at it from this perspective The Giants and the Jets have both been bad for a long time.
5: The Bears have been pretty bad for a long time. New York, Chicago. L.A., aside from that little run by the Rams, they've been mediocre. The Chargers have been pretty bad. So the biggest market teams, to your point, Dan, aren't able to go out and buy players like the Dodgers and Angels or like the Yankees and Mets or like the Cubs and White Sox. You can't do that in the NFL. You have to be smart.
3: I think it keeps teams and ownerships fair and honest because you see that in Major League Baseball, right? Where, of course, I, I like the Players Association mm. with Major League Baseball is so powerful and it's getting their players paid. But then, without having that salary floor, then you have some teams who are really not doing what they should be doing, spending wise, and not putting a competitive product out there.
6: Did I think you another just, part. Did, oh, did, go ahead, did, Randy.
5: Did you just use the word honest with the NFL?
3: <laughs> I, I'm saying keeps them honest and fair when it comes to. Spending with the salary oh, okay. cap and yeah. the floor yeah, uh, the everything else yeah. yes another
6: part is ESPN <laughs> you, you Yeah. you turn on sports Center, and you're going to see in a half hour show probably 15 minutes of it dedicated to the NFL in May yeah I mean it, it's on constantly to interest you as a fan whether it be the draft or free agency uh, obviously uh, training camps once that fires up that is front and center for the sports fan that's out there and people might be out there saying but Dan Everybody's cut the cord, nobody watches ESPN
5: now. Do you know what the number one sports streaming app is?
6: It's ESPN Plus. Yep.
5: Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it they, is. they
6: set records for viewership every single month. And so, think about what's on that too. It's yeah. all kinds of football content. It totally. Is.
3: And that's what I'm saying is they let the personalities just really roll in the NFL. So for the other professional leagues out there, what could they take away from this? Of course, there's a huge difference. Money-wise, we're talking about a huge difference. But still, what can Major League Baseball take away from the NFL? What can even MLS take away? What can hockey take away from it?
5: Listen to Anthony Rendon <laughs> uh, <laughs> and only have one game a week.
3: Now, I did. we talked about how much shorter the games have gotten because of the pitch clock and that change. Mm-hmm. Is that still not enough?
6: I, it's a regional sport. That's the other part I, I look mm-hmm. at it, too. The the national pastime, whether you like it or not, it's the NFL, and it's football, and it's to what Randy said, you're playing one time a week. And it's the only national sport now. Everything else, all due respect
5: to the NBA, it's a market sport. NHL is definitely a market sport. Baseball is definitely a market sport. The only sport where people will tune in on a Thursday night to see Jacksonville against Tennessee – is the NFL. Right. If you have, well, all you have to do is look at what happened with Apple. I don't know what sort of viewership Apple had for baseball, but I can guarantee it's not that big. Even if you have two iconic franchises and a guy going for 700 home runs in Albert Pujols, I'm betting you that they didn't have 1% of a typical Thursday Never. night on Apple. They didn't have 1% of a typical
6: Thursday night NFL viewership. Don't you think the model right now is Apple in what the MLS did? It, it yeah. Just, I think that's kind of where everything's going to go eventually with these regionalized sports networks is mm-hmm. that you're going to have to go and get it a la carte if that's what you want. And it's globalized. Right. If, that's the other part. If you
5: are in London and you want to – where is Messi uh, from? Uh, Spain? Argentina. Argentina. Mm-hmm. If you're in Argentina or anywhere p- where Messi has played and you want to watch him play in MLS. That would be messy for most people. Oh, okay. You, but you can. You, you, you can watch okay. him on Apple because it's global. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's where the rest of sports needs to go is they need to globalize. And the NFL, I think, is the prime example for this because it is such an easy sport to gamble on. Still has a level of violence that I think people enjoy. So I, I don't think the NFL is going anywhere.
3: No, it's not. Well, my only issue, and maybe this, I don't know if it was just more scheduling of anything that I had with Apple, is the timing of the games. Like, some of those late night games mm-hmm. were a little too late for me. And I'm talking about even the ones that were at home. Of course, when you go West Coast, you know that's what you're getting. But I didn't really understand some of the to, late start times here like at Like the playoff game. Yes. That was that. the perfect was, example for yeah. me.
6: It was way too late. Yeah,
5: I'm with you. I mean, you do that sometimes. You can see Gary Bettman screwing it up. I don't see the soccer don screwing that up. I don't know why he did. I didn't. I didn't understand it. It Didn't make any sense, especially no. for the the local market. See, and this, that's kind of one of the jobs that a commissioner should have. Is when you have a team, and this has happened to the Cardinals in the playoffs too. Like, didn't we have a ten thirty local start one time for a Cardinal game in Arizona or something like that? Well, there's ten thirty morning games. Yeah, on on NBC. Yeah. If if you are a commissioner of a sport. And a team is scheduled to start at 9.30 local time. You're the When you see that, you have to go to your people and you say, no, no, no. Uh, I don't care about TV. This is about our fans,
6: and we can't start a game at 9.30 local time. No. We are not doing this. Can you imagine some of the kids with Boston, if you're a Red Sox fan over the last two decades, oh, or a Yankees fan where those games on the East Coast are ending at midnight? Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Yeah. You're, you're not appealing to your local fan base at all. You're just... Kowtowing to television, right. and which I understand drives the bus, but like you said, Randy, you also have to be concerned about your fans. Yeah, but it did give us Mr. November. It did. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That part you was know, cool. You're right. And that's one of
5: the things. If you want to cultivate a young fan base, then one of the things, and that's another thing the NFL is genius about, is that they're able to cultivate the young fan base. Kids love it. So give them, as much as you hate to give them credit, and we've got multiple texts saying, I have no interest in the NFL anymore, I don't watch games anymore. And as bad as they are as people, Jerry Jones, we're looking at you, uh, (laughs) they they do a really good job of marketing their product, and they'll sell more because they're, they're setting records. That's Brooke. That's Dan. I'm Randy. And coming up here on 101 ESPN, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Your St. Louis Blues, here they come. It's next on 101 ESPN.
1: to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101
2: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. On the Opening Drive with a rush hour reset.
5: 905 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I just learned that Matthew Rocchio thinks I'm crazy because I only like fried chicken white meat. I like the breast and I like the wing. And Matthew mm-hmm. says you're crazy, and I said no, we're perfect because you can have all the dark meat. You can have the, the thigh and the leg, and I'll take I'll take the white meat. I'm uh, I am a chicken and turkey white meat guy all the way. Yeah, I, I, like, we'll, it we'll, all.
3: I, I Yeah, I don't really have a preference. That's I was going to say
8: we'll eat some birds, Randy, because because I'm I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 the complete opposite. I to keep white meat, turkey meat away from me as like as miles mm. away. Just just dark meat, and I'll eat like breast meat when it comes to, like chickens, mm. uh-huh. but like. A good chicken thigh, like with, with the chicken yep. skin still on. Oh best, yeah. oh, best fried chicken in town, Oh,
3: best fried chicken in town? You know who's got really mm. great fried chicken? Grace's the Eckert's. meat in three?
8: Eckert's restaurant.
3: Ho, ho, ho. Eckert's. Really? Uh huh. I was going to say Grace's meat. Plus oh, three. Adam <laughs> you know right.
8: what? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. the, that, the, the blue owl in Kim's work. Has oh, yeah. insanely yeah. good, good fried good chicken. Call.
3: Cracker Barrel always is a safe call. I know I just said that, uh-huh. a lot, but I don't know. It's oh. just in in the South you have yeah. a lot of meat and threes, and uh-huh. so maybe okay. it's just a bias of you get a that lot of good be. fried chicken yeah. there. So if somebody has any suggestions, I Lemp will try it. Mansion.
5: Anything. Lemp Mansion has a family style setup Ooh. with all you can eat chicken. Really good. You're right. Mm. On, right you're right about Cracker Barrel too. It's they actually good. do. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, I like their chicken. You and guys didn't mention well. the
6: biscuits at KFC. Oh, oh, Doctor. Yeah. KFC is yeah. strong. Yeah. Okay, well, you didn't mention it. You uh, should no, it. I'm glad it. that you did. <laughs> Food connoisseur <laughs> that you are. Text
5: line 314 399 Yo-ho! Yo-ho! Uh, if you have the best fried chicken in town. Okay. Hodex, I haven't been to Hodex. Is Hodex still oh. open? Oh, man. Oh, I've heard. Great. Yeah. I've never so, been there, but you're oh. right.
8: Gus is. Gus yeah, is, is another really good yeah, one. Yeah. I haven't been there in a while,
3: one. but that's so good. See, it's all coming back right now. It's all coming back.
5: It is. So anyway, uh, I, I like me some fried chicken. Uh, the Blues won last <laughs> night. They came back from a 3-1 deficit and knocked off the Calgary Flames by a score of 4-3. Sodder scoring in the final minute. And that is after Jordan Kairou, as he always does, came through to tie the game at three. Brooke, you're saying? Because
3: you know, I, you know, I know we we need a sarcasm button. Okay. I, I, feel, I feel a little <laughs> bit in the tone.
5: Yeah, a little bit. But, <laughs> and this was a shocker, and, and J.K. and Jamie both said they were shocked, too. First shorthanded goal in the career of Braden Shen, and that really set the tone with the Blues down 3-1, facing a power play on the PK in the second period. Shenner with a breakaway shorthanded goal to give the Blues some momentum and get them within one, and that really, to me, changed the, the feel of the game.
3: It really did. I think that the first two periods, turnovers were a really big issue there. And especially, and I pointed this out, that Tory Krug situation that led to the third goal. That's just really frustrating to see. But the fact of the matter is is that they did win the game. They were able to come back. The third period was a huge difference. I said earlier, I think the PK had a big part of that and them being able to mount a comeback. They were 3-for-3 three three on the PK. But another big part is Jordan Bennington just continues to be what the Blues need, where he is able to keep them in the game where they can win, where mm. they can come back. I yeah. thought it
6: was interesting when they move Matthew Kessel with Krug and then Marco Scandella had a really good game with Falk and defensively I thought Letty played really well too mm-hmm. but defensively kind of short things up in that third period and that made a difference too and the Blues will
5: be back in action tonight they'll take on Vancouver at Vancouver 9 o'clock face off 8 o'clock pregame with Alex and uh, joey here on 101 espn oh by the way i guess joey's doing the uh, pregame on tv He yes so.
3: yeah so it's cam jansen, cam jansen. Yeah. That's jansen. With them. Go. <laughs> on the radio
5: uh, baseball reese hoskins signing a two-year 34 million dollar deal with the milwaukee brewers so they enhance theoretically enhance their offense a little bit we don't know how hoskins will come off of the injury and he didn't play at all last year for the phillies but that's in my opinion a nice sign on the part of the brewers
3: it is
6: well, they needed offense, and they have their young kid coming up that they signed without playing one game, one inning, one pitch. Close to, what, 85, million, $90 million? Mm-hmm. Made me think, are the Cardinals, if, if Goldschmidt is on the shelf right now in terms of contract extension, are they going to approach Jordan Walker this spring? Mm-hmm. I would if I were them. That
3: is a great question.
6: They, <laughs> they typically will extend a guy or two in spring training and they target mm-hmm. this and it starts in the off season and then it's done in spring training and i i thought they may try to do this it would be outside the box i thought they may try to do it even prior to last year before he's played a game but everybody you know typically it said this this guy's gonna be a stud you know would you approach him this offseason or this spring training and say do you want to get a deal done buy out his arbitration years couple years of free agency and you sir will be the face of the franchise once uh, Arenado and Goldie are done. Do you feel like with Churio, who has not played
5: a major league game yet, signing with the Brewers that does that set a template, or does it have to be? Is the comp somebody who's already played? Like, do the Cardinals I, have I to go where yeah.
6: uh, Julio Rodriguez? That's where right. I'm going. Yeah, I, I would say more so with a player that's already played in the in the major leagues. Um, I, I think that's the template. I also think that lesser teams, in terms of where they're at with payroll and market size, are going to have to get creative and do this thing like they did with Cheerios, and I call them Cheerios. Cheerios, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to do that. because. If this kid is as good as they think he is, there is no way they're going to be able to keep him in free agency. So that's one way to buy out those free agency years, at least a couple. And the Rodriguez contract, 12 years, $209.3 million. It just doesn't seem like the Cardinals would want to do that. That didn't seem like their appetite. However, if... Walker is the player that they think he is, mm-hmm. that's the money he's going to command. Takes you to 32 or 33 years old, yeah. 33 or 34 years old.
3: I agree with you, Dan. I think that they should do that. Do that Now, one issue, when we're talking a lot about clubhouse culture going into the season, do you worry that because they haven't had that extension talk or extension with Paul Goldschmidt that that could cause some issues in the clubhouse? Not saying that Goldie would hold anything against, but sometimes when you see that with the young player getting more than the veteran player, it could cause some issues behind the scenes.
6: I, I don't. I, I think he's a well- like kid I think they understand the business side of it and the business side stays outside of the clubhouse and inside the clubhouse it's about playing and I think more than anything the players applaud another player for getting what he got. Mm-hmm. Not not always but generally speaking I think mm-hmm. they look at it and go you know what good for you man and let's go get him
3: totally different sport but it just made me think too and what i was thinking with that example is the blues with the whole jordan Cairo, robert thomas situation Mm -hmm. i feel like there definitely was some tension there when you knew what that meant for the other veterans where they wouldn't be able to stick around
5: yeah and it it could be an issue but i don't i I don't know if goldie worries about he
6: doesn't strike me as somebody who worries about that kind of stuff no no not at all i don't think these guys care one bit what another player is making now some players may Mm-hmm. Those that haven't had their bite at the apple kind of look at it and eh. yep. but not I think generally speaking it's the business side of sports and they just keep that on the outside. Okay, one other question for you guys, and I thought about this yesterday.
5: So Adrian Beltray, bestseller baseman in the sport for a large slice of his career, elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh Todd Helton played all of his career in Colorado, elected to the Hall of Fame. And Joe Maurer, a couple of batting titles, Nolan Arenado, a couple of home run titles, and more RBIs over the course of a, a long stretch of his career than anybody. Based on the guys that got elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame yesterday, is Nolan Arenado an absolute dead solid lock right now to be in the Hall of Fame? I think he
6: is because of his is. defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
5: yeah, I do. He's he's Beltre, Helton, and Maurer
6: all rolled into one. Do you have his numbers... In uh, front of you, Randy. I, I can get them for you right now. So Arenado is what ten years, eleven years in the big leagues, and closing in on two thousand hits. Probably winds up around twenty five hundred. I would guess, depending on how long he plays.
5: Yeah, he at the moment has played eleven years, and he has. Let me roll this down again.
6: Uh, he has sixteen hundred and sixty nine hits. So you got to figure he plays another at least, let's say five years. I takes would think him to so, age yeah. thirty eight. Turns thirty three this uh, this upcoming season. His defense will carry him further. Yep, he's got Um, 325 homers. And so many people have talked about him being the preeminent third baseman and maybe the best defensively all time. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think would get him over the hump. Yeah, And Beltre was right there during his
5: career. Yes. Uh, And if you compare the two, Beltre is, I think, a sensational comp. Although... uh, well, no, I think they're... Over 3,000 hits and 477 yeah. home runs for Beltre. Yeah, and, and the best defensive guy And Beltre played 21 years. Right. Uh, so I, I don't think that uh, Arenado gets there, but I, I do believe that
6: Arenado is a lock for the I, Hall of Fame. I think the better question is, where's Goldie? Goldie's war is really close to being Hall of Fame worthy, especially mm-hmm. he puts together a couple more years. And a lot of the voters are just looking not solely at war, but war becomes the the prominent stat that they look at. Wins above replacement, and he's not far off. He's pretty close to some of the other comps of first basemen that have been elected to the Hall of Fame with their war. Among active players right now, he is behind Trout.
5: who's play, uh, Goldie has played 13 years. Trout's played 13 years. He's behind Trout. Vado, who's played 17 years. McCutcheon, who's played 15. Altuve, who's also played 13. Freeman, who's played 14. And then there's Goldie, and Goldie is ahead of Evan Longoria in terms of war, who has 16 years under his belt, Mookie is going to wind up with more because he's only played 10 years. Uh, Bryce Harper has 12 years in the majors. Goldie has 13. Goldie's uh, war 55.9. Harper's 45.6. That's
6: that's surprising to me. Me too. Well, I mean, if, part of it would be his defense too at first base. Yeah. Manny Machado, he's, he's got Manny Machado by a significant margin.
3: Todd Helton, with him getting in, I think that that really solidifies that Paul Goldschmidt will get in. I, in my opinion, I think that that's, whenever I saw that last night, that's what my first thought was. He's I mean, going to have a
5: shot. Yeah, he he definitely is. And uh, he'll play probably for three more years. Heldon
3: never won an MVP, right?
5: No,
6: no. I would say Goldie plays, well, let's say two years in an option maybe with that deal, which would take him to three more years, which would take him to 39. Uh, he yeah, doesn't, he, he, I, I can tell you this He's He plays this year at age 36 So he doesn't, so three more years yeah. He's 39 um, He doesn't play for the numbers I can tell you that for sure mm-hmm. Plays to win and yeah. doesn't worry about I can tell you the other thing is He's not worried about the Hall of Fame Even though all of us talk about mm-hmm. it And where he's at and has a shot I, I truly believe he doesn't worry about it He's one of those guys like, yeah you know Had a nice career and moves on Won an MVP, got to some <laughs> postseasons Yeah, pretty cool you know, he's one of those guys. But he, for his
5: sake, you hope that he gets that World Series ring. I would love that's it. That's what he yes. wants. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's playing, playing to win. And that's what I meant. He's yeah. playing to win. Yeah. That's our rush hour reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we talked earlier about whether or not Ali Marmal starts the season on the hot seat based on Katie Wu's piece at The Athletic. We want to hear from you via the mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. You can use that, or you can send us a text, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Do you have Ali on the hot seat, or do you think that he's safe? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the
2: Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
5: Katie Woo latest missive at The Athletic is a story in which Ali Mall talks about last year and what he expects this year. The headline is pressure is on Olimar Mall. as Cardinals approach 2024. He said, quote, reality is I needed to be better. And when you win 71 games, I think that's pretty safe. Can't put 71 wins only on the manager, but there were certainly moves that we would question throughout the course of the season when we would come in the morning after games. And when you have a team that is working with less talent than a lot of teams, you don't have as much margin for error. Errors by the manager can turn out to be major problems. Now, there were times, I mean, there you could have put Connie Mack in the dugout, and if he's bringing the Holy Trinity into the game, you're not going to win it. Right. Right. So th- there were a lot of issues from a talent standpoint that Ali Marmol couldn't overcome. But There were moves, and again, they only won 71 games, so it wasn't like he could have changed things. But if you finish one or two games out and you take a starting pitcher out when he's still got gas left in the tank and you bring in Palante to blow a lead, or when you make a move where you, you the fan questions the defensive abilities of a player that is put in and then that player makes an error that's where he needs to be better and that's where a guy like Daniel Descalso can play a big role too. My point being here that because of again what I believe is a real thin margin for error i think he does start the season on the hot seat because for the first month of the season the cardinals are going to take on realistically more talented teams
3: i think he is on the hot seat and that goes for any manager after a season performance like that where you saw so many different things go wrong now of course the roster construction is out of his hands the execution by the players is out of his hands in a lot of ways but at the same time I think it doesn't matter who the manager is. When you see the lapses in fundamentals, as you mentioned earlier, Dan, when you see the defensive miscues, when you see a lot of things that they really didn't also take advantage of last season, then any manager is going to be in the hot seat. Now, I think with a lot of the moves that they've made this off season that takes that away. You you brought in a lot of that experience, you brought in that veteran leadership on the player side, but also some experience with your coaching staff as well. So it feels like a lot of that is out of the way going the season. Do you guys feel like enough moves were made where that narrative can kind of be squashed that there wasn't enough there for them?
5: I don't, but I think the front office does. And that's the people that are going to make the decision, not me. I I think the Cardinals I think it's going to be really hard to win with the, the starting five that they have. Now, if they can, then that's a credit to Ali and the the pitching group led by uh, Dusty Springfield. But I, I I think that he if they expect to make the playoffs with this starting rotation, especially you have a 34, 35, 36-year-old, you expect them to get 32, 30,
6: 33 starts each. Granted, they did it last year. I just think that's really... Hard to do. You are asking a lot. Mm -hmm. I am with you. So I look at the rotation as being a seven man rotation as opposed to five because at some point double headers may happen, injuries may happen. You are going to have to use them. Um, I don't know if there is a difference between the two. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think there is a ton of pressure, and -hmm. I think there is a difference between the two. For instance, if they go out and like Randy, you were saying they start seven and fourteen. Let's say in the first month, then I think he's on the hot seat. And if they don't play fundamental baseball like we talked about, Brooke, then you're on the hot seat. There's a manner in which you play, and if they don't come out and play inspired or air free or fundamentally not sound, then I think it's on the manager, and then he's on the hot seat. And he welcomes this. I, I yeah. mentioned I did an event with him on Friday night to benefit uh, the St. Louis University Billiken uh, baseball program, trying to raise money for them. And one of the things I love that he did – Is I'm doing the Q&A, and I'm firing questions at him, and then we open up to the audience. He said, folks, this is your shot. (laughs) When you're yelling at your TV last year and you're thinking I'm an idiot, I'm up here to take it, and you tell me what you want, and I'm here to answer your questions. I appreciate that. He welcomes that. I also think he welcomes the pressure, and uh, we'll see how it plays out, especially here in the first month. We had somebody on the text line ask about what happens in spring training and what if they play poorly. Well, they had the best record in baseball last year in spring training. (laughs) It means nothing. It's just about getting uh, players ready.
3: They were the Grapefruit League champs. That's right. That that didn't count for much going into the season. No, please. No banner for that whatsoever. Dan, when you were having that conversation with him, and I like that he was very open, was there a question or answer that really stood out to you?
6: yeah, it was about his use of the bullpen or taking pitchers out before that uh, before this particular individual thought that they should. So for instance, we talked about it earlier, mm-hmm. if a reliever had a quick inning and went you know 10 or 12 pitches, why not bring him back for a second inning? or why with a starter that looks like he's rolling, why not play the gut and and continue to to use that starter? And he said well actually we we did it just didn't work out a lot of times and we were the third most in terms of doing that and being aggressive which really surprised me but that was the one i think that stood out for me um the yachty stuff was interesting you know he really wants yachty to be a part of the organization the coaching staff um and that that those were the things i think that stood out for me i mean he does not feel pressure from yachty i can tell you that he wants Yachty to be a part of this. He doesn't look over his shoulder, and if this is somebody that can make them better, that he wants that individual there with the team.
5: And in regards to Yachty, this from the 3-1-4, with Yachty waiting in the wings to be the next Cardinal manager, Marmol's seat will be on fire with a very, very short leash. Uh, another one. Do you guys really think that Ollie calls the shots on game night? I think he's the middleman between upstairs, Mo, and the dugout. So many other teams do the same. Yes, I do think that's the case. But you're the front-facing person, and the Cardinals are giving that impression that you are the guy that makes the decision whether you do
6: or not. Well, he gets a a book of knowledge on these games. So he gets all the analytics, what the matchups may be, how the game may play out. And then ultimately, it's his decision on what he wants to do. So... He has a lot of information at his disposal, at his fingertips, but it's up to him if he wants to use it or not. And sometimes, analytically, when they say to do A... And really, you feel like you should go to B. That's mm-hmm. that's up to him and what mm-hmm. he wants to do. And when it doesn't work out, and you look like uh, you look at a situation, you say, "Man, that's odd that he went that way and it blew up in his face." Probably analytically, that's what it was told yeah. to do on the sheet of paper that he's got. And one last text,
5: and I I tend to agree with this one. I think Ali is safe as long as Mo is there, and Mo says he's bullish on. Ali Marmol and if Mo is in charge then I would have a tendency to believe that and Mo as we know is very very patient very patient
6: and I I think the first month of the season though is is telltale in a lot of ways and how this thing will go LA San Diego Miami Philly Arizona twice Milwaukee you're you're gonna know what this team is about early on in terms of uh, where they stand going into 2024.
5: That's Dan, that's Brooke, I'm Randy. Coming up, we hope to connect with our buddy Jamie Rivers here on 101 ESPN. If not, we are going to hear from you with some of your mic drops here on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
5: Well, will tell you what. Uh, that, that's interesting news that Matthew Rocchio provides. Uh, and, and one of the great multi-sport careers, I think, in history. Joe Barry Carroll did such a great job as a center for the Warriors and now defensive coordinator for the Packers, and he gets fired. But you, you got to give the guy credit, Dan.
6: Are we back <laughs> on? Yeah, we're
5: on. Oh.
3: This is live on
6: um, yeah. I Yeah. I told you I'd play along. I'm playing along. You said play along, and I said okay, I will, and I'm letting you do your thing. Matthew, did, wasn't Joe Barry Carroll like he was a he
5: was a stud basketball player? And hey, he had his his defense in the playoffs this year.
8: I honestly, when you think about the defensive. Uh, things you can pull from basketball and bring to football. It's even more impressive because I don't know how those things align. Like how do you how do you work a zone defense in basketball into a zone defense Randy on football? I'm looks confused. at numbers
6: and he looks at names okay. and he's able to tie things. If you ask the guy, if you ask Randy about like a number of what a player wore 25 years ago, he knows it. Here's the thing, he ties all this stuff in. I I've never
8: like I don't associate Joe Barry Carroll's name as being Joe Barry. It's Joe Barry Carroll. It's not there's not an extra like so like the th- I wouldn't have ever connected those two oh. threads even in the first place because it's Barry Carroll not yeah. Barry. And so the fact that you the fact that you're able to pull that thread is just this is why I failed to stump him in the fight. Joe so Barry consistently Carole. this number is one this is an example in the NBA draft number 1 overall
6: That's in right.
5: 1980. I remember that even. And he is uh, not the
6: Packers defensive coordinator. No, he's not. That's a different guy. Oh, oh. It's a different guy. He's also not
8: the Packers defensive coordinator anymore. Are
6: you surprised that uh, he's out as DC? He was
5: uh, under siege all year long. They weren't very happy with him. And LaFleur has a tendency to do that, to just go through a defensive coordinator. Okay. Mm. He does. There's nothing wrong with that were we supposed to have jamie rivers on yeah that's yeah, what but, I, was, uh, Jamie's I was in on the west coast oh. it's 737 in vancouver so he didn't answer his phone and we did ask you for your mic drops about the ollie situation so we're going to get a couple of those taken care of because we want to hear from you here on the opening drive on 101 espn let's start with chris
7: Ali's totally safe
9: he's the only guy that would let the uh front office call a game and manage a game it's like insane, he's just a mouthpiece. dope They love mouthpieces. Hey, Randy, did you ever take that loaf of bread home?
6: What, what <laughs> loaf of bread? Did, do, do we know? Do you, What's that from, you, Randy?
8: I don't know. I'm not sure. I thought you, <laughs> I, I was gonna leave that reference up to you. I thought you'd get it. Oh, I don't know.
3: Did you, did you make some did you bread? bread? <laughs> did you, are we missing something? here I don't
8: know, Chris.
5: I don't, I, I do not know,
3: huh? You, you make. Do you make bread? I've
5: never made bread in my
8: life. Of all the things, you don't make bread? No.
3: Yeah, you do make a lot of things. Yeah,
8: I make a lot of things, but not bread.
3: Really? <laughs> you should get no, into that. If
8: you listen to like the last year of Joey Vitale interviews, you could probably end up being a pretty good baker just from the from. info he drops yeah. off on us.
6: Mm-hmm. That's what it's from. Remember he talked about what you do with uh, certain ways to make bread? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That was last okay. Friday. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's from.
3: Okay, good. You're best known for your carrot cakes, which I think you said you were going to make for Jamie.
5: Yeah, I'm just waiting until the team's home for a consistent stretch here so that mm-hmm. I can take it down to the rink or bring it over here. I got I owe Dan a carrot yes, cake, Yes, you, you do. Uh, yeah. Late March.
8: They're here for like a week straight
5: oh there
3: mm-hmm. we
8: go so we'll look at that
5: anyways uh,
3: back to his question what do you guys think about that is ollie a mouthpiece for the front office organization
5: if it is not the case then it is an unfortunate for him perception out there because nationally people believe that that's the case
6: well i would say nationally people think that all managers mm-hmm. are mm. outside of bruce Bochi and maybe yep. Joe Madden, if he was managing. Well,
5: and Torrey Lavolo admitted it during the World Series. Yeah. You know, we, we've got a script that starts before. Because remember he had a game it? that he wanted to keep the scorecard because it went exactly according to script. Mm-hmm. And you've got Dave Roberts, who's been the manager of maybe the most successful regular season franchise over the last decade, when they ask him about who his starting pitcher is going to be. He says, I don't make those decisions.
6: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is dictated from the front office, and I think it's league-wide, not just Mm -hmm. something that Ali has to deal with.
5: Christian has a mic drop for us here on 101 ESPN.
2: I don't think the Cardinals were as far away from being successful last year as their record showed. If you clean up some of the a lot of the blown saves that they had to a more reasonable year um, and you don't deal with some of the early season drama of moving Contreras and O'Neill around I think clubhouse is generally more positive you get more breaks so I don't think Marmol's going to be in the hot seat just because I expect the Cardinals to take a big step forward this year even though uh, talent wise and roster wise we haven't seen a ton of huge improvements I think, I think management has done enough um, to shore up the areas that they need to shore up
3: now bullpen wise with what he's talking about i i saw that we talked about that a lot last season about how big of a difference the blown says if you would have taken that way how different the record would have been this bullpen now how do you guys feel about it i like that you bring in andrew kittredge into Mm -hmm. the situation a veteran presence in there but does it still feel like i just feel like they need another reliever maybe that's just me
5: they need a very durable closer and ryan helsley has not shown himself to be durable yet What
6: about Gallego so on the nights that he is not closing? I just don't trust him anymore.
5: Yeah. And I did a couple of years ago, but, man, it seemed like last year, whenever he was put in a leverage situation, things blew up in a hurry. And so uh, I'm concerned about him. 20 of the 28 saves that the Cardinals had last year are still on the roster. Eight of the blown saves have departed. So I think they do. And maybe Kittredge is a guy that could close. Maybe if Tink Hence makes the team... Maybe one of the guys that came in a trade, they can find a closer, but it sure would be nice when you think it's going to be a close race for a playoff spot, it'd be nice to settle that early and not be
6: giving up games in the late innings. Among nationally teams, only the Mets, Nationals, I think it was the Pirates, the Giants scored fewer runs than the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So it's not only talking about the bullpen, and the bullpen it, it was just terrible. I mean, 41 leads lost, all the blown saves they were terrible in high leverage situations matter of fact the era was over 10 in those i would think that that comes back to being quote unquote normal you're going to have your fair share of blown leads and games and saves and whatnot but don't overlook what happened offensively right Mm -hmm. offensively they they were not where they needed to be i would think to the the mike drops point having a healthy brendan donovan putting edmund in center every day another year for walker Goldie and Arenado, or Goldie and Arenado. I get it. A lot of what ifs, but if some of those things come through, you're a much better team. And win can't be worse than DeYoung was. No. It, that's good point. Yeah, that,
5: right. So. Very good point. And, and Paulie Deep he lost a step defensively, too. He just wasn't yes. the same player anymore.
3: And you hope for some more power from your outfield, mm-hmm. and that's when we're talking about Tommy Edmond offensively. Ho- hopefully Jordan Walker can continue to take step forwards. You'll see that from him. Lars Newtbar as well. I think that's another key component there. But then offensively last season, the situational hitting was something that was really baffling to me that it seems like they really struggled with that. Newtbar has to
6: stay
5: healthy. He's he got to be ups. on
3: the yeah. field. Yeah, yeah.
5: And, and I think the situational hitting... Goldie at the age of 36 is going to have to be better than he was. Arnauto was not great in the clutch last year. He's, He's going to have to be better. Your big guys that you're counting on to deliver in those situations are going to have to be better. That's Brooke. That's Danny. I'm Randy. And coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101
2: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: Let's rock. Let's rock today.
5: It is time for a Rock and Roll. Matthew, Rockio, what do you got for us?
8: I don't know about you guys, but I have been waiting with bated breath for the City Connect jerseys to finally hit St. Louis because the collective blue hair per- pearl, clutching, f- pearl clutching freakout that's going to happen is going to be hilarious. But... More so than that, I found another reason to laugh at it because did you know that the MLB has a four plus one limit on the jerseys that a team is allowed to have in one season and that that limit includes your spring training jersey. So because of the addition of the City Connect jerseys this year, the Cardinals have to dump one of their jerseys and the one that's going out is the all red spring training jersey the cardinals will revert back to just their regular home and away jerseys for spring training and this has been confirmed by uh UniWatch in a statement from bill DeWitt jr or bill DeWitt the third who said yep all, all the information you got's right so no more red spring training jersey back to the regular home and away and it's all because of that city connect jersey coming up later i'm so excited
6: people go nuts over
8: jerseys nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about go the city nuts. connect
5: but i I think it's pretty stupid to separate the regular season and
8: spring training. I also agree with that. That's a, yeah. that's a weird decision to, to to count a spring training jersey as your four plus one jerseys for the season. I'm, like, Why
6: not separate them? Shouldn't spring training be different? Yeah, well, don't you matter? think, too? It's for sales purposes, too. Some people may like the red. Maybe they yeah. like the white. That's true. Maybe they like the victory blue. They're going to like the city jersey. They like the different colored hats. So it's a chance to maybe make more money um that's something to think about too mm-hmm. but i i know for for sure bill DeWitt III the third cares greatly about the logo and the jersey oh, of the yeah. st louis cardinals i mean that is a big big deal to him and i i yeah. appreciate that he takes an appreciation into that a lot of people do when you see the
5: attention to detail on the cardinal jersey since 1996 that's been Bill DeWitt III. He's really into it, and it's cool. I, I'm with you. I think it's great, and I think they have a great-looking jersey, and it looks so much better than it did before he started tinkering with it.
6: They started tinkering with like how much in uh, the bat was, how big the bird yep. on the bat was. I mean, he went back and looked at old uniforms. My personal favorite is the Saturday home. The cream with the piping and the St. Louis on the front. Mm. That hadn't been done since like 1926, I believe, with St. Louis on the front. So it's an ode to the past or a historic franchise, I think it's pretty cool. kind of like the starting rotation this year
3: uh Randy what no, <laughs> why would you slip that in there? That this is so nostalgia good. we're enjoying things, okay? Why that would you slip perfectly that in there? Polite.
5: what else do you have on rock and roll <laughs> oh, uh, but, oh by the way i, I really like the uh, the sunday cap the the home Sunday cap is beautiful too. yeah
8: <laughs> i'm I, and every time we talk about um Cardinals uniforms, and now we have somebody new in the room, I, I have to get their opinion because one thing that I'm okay with uh, standing on a soapbox when it comes to baseball is that the Cardinals should wear the Navy blue hats uh, on a, with the away jerseys. Danny Mack, your, your opinion on that?
6: I prefer that. I Thank wish you. they had the Navy. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like the Navy on the road. Um, Shouts to Tim
8: McKernan, who's, who's been that But I understand, like, when
6: you're playing the Reds, though, you can't have the same colored hat, so... Mm-hmm. You got to go to a different uh That's when you'd go to a different color. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, then you're sticking with the reds, which I'm fine with that. I, I just don't get geeked out over this stuff. I don't think it's that big a deal. I believe the Cardinals had a fan vote, and the fans did vote for the navy blue.
5: And then the way it wound up being is that, yeah, we'll wear the navy blue when you're pl- we're playing a team with a red cap. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. the only time they wear that's it. But correct. I think the fans voted for the I navy blue. I believe that's correct. Be worn on the road right. all the time. I really
3: the fans yeah, I just really want to see what these city connect jerseys look like. well, i'm I'm a little scared but excited well,
8: Bert, to, to your point i didn't think <laughs> this is ryan Crow, this is the. This is just the youtube tap responding to this news hell no damn i like the red spring training jersey those city connect jerseys have been so dumb so far stls is most likely going to suck also droid effects i hope our city connect jerseys aren't ass like everybody else's it will be droid don't worry and so there's a, not a lot of people who are already mad and they haven't even seen the jerseys yet which is i mean you can't you you weren't going to get it right for the Cardinals. You can't get it right with it with the Yankees. You can't get it right with the Cardinals. Yankees aren't going to do one. They aren't participating. And see, that's really? and that's what yeah. MLB should have done. When you have the two most iconic jerseys in your sport, and I would argue that they are the two most iconic jerseys in the sport, followed closely by the Dodgers. You don't you don't screw with it, even even for a little potential mm-hmm. thing like
6: this. Why not?
8: time I, moves on, man. Well, some things some things are untouchable. So I asked a
5: member of the Cardinal front office about the City Connect, and I said, I'm assuming. There's going to be an arch. And they said, yeah, if we don't do an arch, that'll be a big miss on yeah. our part. But I was also told that it's not going to deviate very dramatically from their everyday home jersey. That it'll be... They don't a, want to gimmick it up. No, they don't. It's mm-hmm. just going to be a clean look that fans should appreciate. Sure.
3: Like an arch across the chest, you maybe, think? Yeah. or maybe, yeah, m-
5: maybe over the birds on the bat or That's what like I that. was thinking. Oh. Like a little
6: one... What about on the yeah. sleeve? Maybe you have one sleeve that's got the sponsor, another sleeve it's got mm-hmm. something else mm-hmm. that would keep it clean to an extent. Yeah, maybe. So
5: I love the Giants with the Golden Gate Bridge, and they've got the SF up on the, uh, and it's gradient. Yeah, and, and it's really bright white. It's pretty cool. I, I like the Giants' uh, city. And Matthew said he's a big fan of the Boston one. I, I'm a fan of the Boston Office. one as well. It's pretty cool.
6: It's only a handful yeah. of games. What's the big deal? Jerseys, man. It's not. Remember when the
5: Cardinals had when McGuire was here, that uh, ahead-to-the-future game where they wore the space-age jerseys? That was not a good day. No, that wasn't.
3: No. I like the Washington National City Connect with the Cherry Blossoms mm. and the White Sox.
5: Yeah, those are nice. Outside. I, the, the White Sox southside, I just I can't do uh, blue, dark blue on dark blue.
8: It's one of the only monochrome. It's one of the only monochromatic ones—the yeah. the, the the White Sox one yeah, that, that actually it. worked. Yeah, see navy. Black. Was it black? Black on black. It was black. <laughs> yeah. White Sox ever had navy in their color scheme? Yeah. <laughs> Very. Com- Has it not been black the whole time?
5: Tony Larissa, No. The, the, Tony Larusa? They wore navy. I thought it was black. The first time. No. The what? Co- yeah, go back in... Uh, this the is night, blowing 19, my mind. 1983, Tony L- Google Google. Uh, oh, back Google in 83. Yeah. Yeah. Really?
6: Yeah. Yeah. I thought oh. you meant recently, Tony LaRusso. Oh, no, no. That was black. And black. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now I'm with you. Yeah, was that was terrible. the dark navy, and they had a little oh, oh, red, a little yeah. white in there. They had the stripes <gasps> going. They had some the shocks in
8: the front. Oh, no. I don't that like that. That seems wrong. Um, and by the way, to your point, I don't think a lot of people in St. Louis really remember the ones that you refer to the, the 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 ones with the the crazy sleeves and like mm-hmm. the black like like the slanting like yeah. black thing for the cardinals i saw that get put on twitter a few months ago, when people were talking about Cardinals jerseys and the amount of people who had zero recollection of what the heck really? that jersey was, I, I I barely even remembered it. Like it hit me, and I was like something like triggered in my brain. I think there's a lot of people who don't who don't remember that happening, but I imagine St. Louis wasn't too happy. I think Chris Sale would have cut those things up. <laughs> I like
6: sleeveless, <laughs> sleeveless. Oh, old school sleeveless. Yes. The piping. I like the black spikes. I'm talking old school '60s s- Cardinals.
5: You know what I hate though is. Maybe the worst looking all of baseball is a gray jersey with pinstripes, like Colorado yeah, had. I'm not a big fan of that so, either. And the Reds, when the Reds wore the their red pinstripes, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of that. Either. So uh, only this, one the, pinstripes works. The only
8: sleeveless one. or the the I guess if you want to call it the vest style jersey that the Rockies had for a while. That they they officially last year was the last year they were going to wear it. So officially sleeveless and vest-style jerseys are 100% dead in baseball Correct. Right now. It's not. It's not a thing anymore. The Rockies had it as one of their throwbacks, I think, until last year, but they got rid of that one. So there are no more vest or sleeveless jerseys, and I agree with Danny, that's a travesty. Back
5: Wait. in the Love day, it. late 80s, early 90s, when Deion Sanders went to the Reds, he demanded that they have the sleeveless. Yes. 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 And, and yeah. he won. He, he yep. said
6: to management, I want sleeveless. They went sleeveless. I like those jerseys. The whole the whole uniform looked good. It did.
5: Kind of classic.
3: What about the shorts? Should With the shorts... white Sox? Yeah.
5: Yeah, that probably wasn't the best move on Bill Beck's <laughs> part. <laughs> I'm
3: looking at the photos of it right now. Yeah,
5: it's a good softball team.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Get a little leg action in there. There you go. That always helps ratings.
5: Yeah. Well, you'd think little it knees. would. Knees. But you know what? Then all of a sudden, you start defining a player by his moderate to severe, to severe plaque psoriasis on his leg. <laughs> it's can't. just not a look.
3: It's just not a look. <laughs> I can't. But Chris Carpenter <laughs> of leg
6: like shorts. Uh, he has a full leg tattoo. Both legs.
3: Does he yeah. really? Yeah. Wow.
6: And both arms. He's he's as inked as, he's yeah. as inked as Chris Long is. Chris Long is very inked. He really inked. is. Do you say inked or inked up? Inked up, yeah, yeah. with, with That's tattoos. That's what the kids say.
5: So yeah.
3: are you, Randy, though, honestly. Uh, not co-
5: I don't have quite what, uh, what Christopher has. He's got a terrible line, <laughs> <eye laughs> and I think i back. So, uh, uh, we had a great day today with our uh, producer and audio and video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rockio Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today?
3: Yes.
6: Uh, Danny Mac, we got him to say uh, "Yoho" once. I say it every day. One time. One time. And yep, I appreciate it, Danny. and it, I put a lot of effort into thinking about it. When should I do it? <laughs> it's strategic, and um, you know, a lot of emotion into it too. Oh, big time! I yeah. felt it. I felt the emotion.
5: Thank I you, did. buddy. I really
3: yeah. did. I felt it today too. Thank
6: you, yeah. Brooke. Uh,
5: great job by Danny Mack. We thank you for being a part of the show, tuning in, texting in, and joining us for all of us until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great hump day, St. Louis.